So that sets us up for Saturday night. Hoosiers foam a night ago to Michigan State in what was a special environment from the Breslin Center. Tom Izzo tears after the game. Well-deserved for Michigan State, just from a human being and emotional perspective. But the number 17 Hoosiers go down 80-65. to 65. Welcome to the Drive, Hubler.com studio. It's the Fan Midday Show on a Wednesday. Brendan King reporting with Joey Molinaro and Jimmy Cook. Joey, back for day number three. Yeah, final feeling? day. Final day of the week. Excited. Final day uh, of the week. Fi- final day of the week for me. <laughs> yeah. um, feeling good. Wish wish uh, we could have had a little bit more of a buildup there, knowing that Saturday we're going to have IU rolling going into it. Purdue's been off. We're going to talk to Fletcher Lawyer coming up at uh, 2.30 from the Boilermakers. But, yeah, it's just a little unfortunate that you had to have kind of a little bit of a skid heading into Saturday's matchup. What would you think last night, IU going down? Really just just never had it at yeah. any point. And And – it was interesting because I was like, I, as I was watching the first five, eight minutes, I was, I was thinking, okay, this is, this is what I was going to be expecting Saturday night in West Lafayette, right? I, I was going to expect for IU to come out, kind of punch him in the mouth a little bit early, like they did last night, um, and then all of a sudden, Michigan State just had that little run in them, got themselves back in it, and I felt like there's just a ton of of second, third chance opportunities that I saw from the Spartans that really it was, you know, a couple of tip balls, a couple of batted out um, to give them an opportunity. And they were able to knock down a three at crucial moments that really kind of just crushed what IU had going. And I bet Jimmy last night that uh, in spite of him, he said the Hoosiers, you know, on the road, I said, in spite of you, I'm going to take the Spartans. And so I did come away with the win there. So that's nice. Do you have a response, Jimmy Cook? Look, I respect a good spite bet. You're never, you're never going to hear me, uh, criticize somebody's spite bet uh, in terms of last night i mean you mentioned the human element of it like you knew that was going to be there you know the, everything in terms of support across the board both from iu you know, both from myself as an indiana fan like your heart goes out to michigan state and everything they've gone through the last week the emotion was there it was very raw and energized at breslin but you silenced it to start you get off to a great start in that game and then the second wave happened and then Tyson Walker caught fire and they outscore you like 11 to two or 13 to two to close the half. And now it's a whole new thing. Now everybody's hyped. Now you've got to pick yourself back off the mat in areas where they've struggled all year, particularly bench points weren't there. It's so often it's a rotating cast of who's going to be the third guy to step up for this team when it's not Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino. Brennan, I know you and I have talked about that ad nauseum of it's tough to win with just two primary scorers. You need a third piece. They've had that at times this season. The bigger issue for me, though, and the more frustrating aspect of it, it's the most points they've given up since January 11th against Penn State. And if this team is going to make any kind of run, be it in the Big Ten tournament or be it in the NCAA tournament, sure, you're going to need Trace Jackson Davis to play big. Sure, you're going to need Jalen Huchifino to ball out. But your defense is where you're going to rest your hat. And if you're not able to lock in and get stops when you need them and let big runs happen like that, it's going to be a short stint in March wherever they end up, let alone when they have to go to Mackey on Saturday. Yeah, typically when Trey Galloway and Miller Cop shoot the ball well, I think IU has a pretty good shot to win a ball game. I mean, whatever Trace Jackson Davis said to Miller Cop has worked because he went two of three from deep. Trey Galloway went three of five. But here's the two, two problems that immediately stick out. Number one, you can't give up 10 offensive rebounds when Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis are both playing. Yeah. That, you can't get offensive rebounded like that. And then number two, 
Tamar Bates, 13 minutes, zero points. Jordan Geronimo, nine minutes, zero points. Malik Renew, 13 minutes, two points. I mean, th- those are the three guys, to me, uh, off the bench that need to perform. And if they don't perform, you're in trouble, Joy. Right, but like you're saying, and we talked about it with Don Fisher on Monday, everybody talks about Miller Cop, Trey Galloway. Last night, Miller Cop, two of three from beyond the arc, right? Trey Galloway, three of five from beyond the arc for 11 really good. and six. But, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you guys, like, is is that enough? Is that enough for them to hit those, you know, a, a handful of those shots, do their role in that way? Is that enough, even if the bench provided something? It's it, it's fine. Like if you get a, a Trey Galloway or a Miller Cop, trade it however you want to points wise. Galloway is eleven, Cop has six. If right. you flip flop that and it's the other way around, I'm still fine with that. But that means you need eighteen to twenty from Hood Shafino, and you need twenty five to thirty from Trace Jackson Davis. They didn't yeah. get that last night. And also, like Brendan mentioned and Coach Woodson mentioned in the comments we played to start the show, not only on the defensive end of just guarding guys and being aware of where a playmaker is like Tyson Walker at all times, you can't allow that many offensive rebounds. And if you do, you need to match up for it. The glass advantage was 10 to 3 in terms of offensive rebounds last night, and it led to a number of second chance points for Michigan State. So was it kind of a perfect storm for Indiana? Yes, but that's where they're at. From an offensive metric, if they're going to contain Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hutchfino, no, it's not enough. 11 and 6 is not enough. No. Well, Jalen Hutchfino also got shut out from three. Right. That didn't too. make a three. Yep. Uh, is 65 points enough to win a Big Ten game? Yeah. Play good defense. Is 65 points enough to win an NCAA tournament game? Mm, that's, that's where you start to run into trouble because the teams from the SEC, the teams from the Big 12, they could score it almost effortlessly. Yeah. So you're putting up 65, and you're playing the defense down low that you did last night, giving up offensive rebounds. Because look, you know Michigan State at the end of the day is not your typical ISO team. They're not ranked. They yeah. just have not had the juice all year. You know what happens because they're coached well, and we mentioned the human environment. We mentioned that Michigan State as a school really deserved that one, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Tom Izzo. Because yeah. it, it seemed like at the end of the game when they had that camera shot of him that the world was lifted off his shoulders almost. Yep. And they put so much into going to win that individual game for East Lansing itself. But look, Michigan State does not have the guys that it once did. Now when Xavier Booker gets there from Cathedral, they'll probably probably going to be restacking a little bit. Yeah. But you know, what happens when it's an NCAA tournament game and there's two monsters down low and Indiana has to draw that and Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis are giving up offensive rebounds to an unranked Michigan State? That's a concern. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And and now it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, what happens on Saturday? I mean, you are... You are Are you going to be at the game? I'm not. No, I'm actually going to be uh, over at Sam's Silver Circle. Going to be having ourselves a nice little watch party, having some fun, having some beers, having some pizza. So anybody want to come Love stop it. by? Should be a great time. But... <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any easier because, like you mentioned, you're going to face the guy the in guy. the country. <laughs> that big guy. That guy. Yes, Zach Eady is tall. He is tall. And they're going you up there. You need that an obvious shirt. It's there. It's there. Actually. And we got yeah. one. Yeah, okay. yeah, I didn't no, see that one. We do. We, 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 we have one there. So, yeah, the task doesn't get any easier in terms of uh, rebounding. Um, but then I look ahead to Saturday, and I was watching – obviously, I watched the whole game last night – but I just kept going back to and and the and and, and what we saw in Bloomington uh, a handful of weeks ago too in the first matchup. Yeah, really concerns me is is and who in the backcourt for Purdue 
is going to be able to handle Jalen Hood Shafino, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to look at that. Jimmy, as, as a Hoosier grad, you're watching the Hoosiers, you have to say, yeah, I like our matchup there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not going to disagree with that. I, I, I like the Jalen Hood Shafino matchup. I liked it in the first meeting. I mean, a, a lot of it is, and a part of it is because I, I didn't grow up in the championship era of IU basketball, mm-hmm. like they, they, outside of the 0-2 run, and I was eight at the time, yep. like they, not a ton of success in this time span, but I understand the pedigree that Coach Woodson demands. That being said, they, they are limited to an offensive point that if what happens at Mackey happens, or what happened at Assembly Hall happens at Mackey, which is the visiting team gets into a big hole, they can come back against Northwestern on the road. I don't I don't know if they have it in them to rally back from a 15, 20-point hole at Mackey with the, how this team is constructed right now. I just don't. And that doesn't mean that they they can't still have a good march. It just means that it might be a long Saturday, particularly if that's the effort that you get. Trey Galloway said he felt like they got out toughed and they had a lack of effort last night, which I would agree with. I also think they were gassed in terms of just the way their offense is running through two guys and that's Brendan's point all along, is that it's it's tough to sustain that unless they are two elite guys. And that's not fair for Huchfino. He's a freshman. Jackson Davis is close to it. He's a senior. In terms of, is that, I mean, this is the last year, right? That's kind of been assumed. Does he have one more, though? He does. If he wanted to, his eligibility is because I think it's COVID, COVID year. year. See, that's, yeah. that, that's the tough part about doing games. Like, I did the Butler women's game last night against Xavier, and... You see senior, like, well, are they actually a senior or are they, like, senior with a year? Or are they senior with two? Got are they redshirt senior? Yep. Got a triple like, check. You have to go up to every SID now and be like, oh, okay, so, oh, they have three left. Okay, got it. Stuff. I was over by Butler last night. Who are you? Yeah, I was picking up some Chatham Tap. Good spot. Great spot. I unfortunately live closer to the one on Mass Ave. Got there, didn't realize that they were closed for construction, and so I went to the doors and realized that I had to go all the way back out to Butler, and my food was probably going to be cold. But mm. well, a little trip to campus is never a bad thing. You know, it really wasn't. Have you been to Hinkle this year? Not this year. My first time was last year. Ever? Uh, I think it was Butler Villanova men's game, and it was a blast. Yep. Me and my wife got to sit courtside. We we're very lucky. Some friends in the Butler program hooked us up with that butler came or butler blue came over and said hello he's the goat he i mean i definitely know my wife loves him more than she loves me mm. it's like my but son at least, at butler least, blue me at least you have the wherewithal to admit that though yeah it's fine you know what i'm saying it's a very tough competition you know it is tough competition but yeah no he, uh hinkle Fieldhouse special spot Really special spot. No doubt. Yeah, and it's it's, it's um, a beautiful campus, so I was over there, got some wings. Um, but, yeah, Saturday is the big one. We're going to talk with Fletcher Lawyer, uh, freshman guard for the Purdue Boilermakers, coming up at 2.30. Really excited about that conversation. I'm always interested, too, and I'm going to ask him. But, you know, Purdue's sitting there. They don't have a game all week. They haven't played since Sunday. And they know what's coming. They know Indiana is coming to their house on Saturday night. You think the boys got together up there in West Lafayette? tuned into the uh, late Tuesday night tip, IU, Michigan State? Well, they're going to be seeing a lot of film on that if they didn't. That's for sure. Yeah. A lot of film on that. Well, specifically, as you said, IU's got to face the guy down low. And, hey, you know, for a freshman, for Fletcher Lawyer, for Braden Smith, I I just wonder what it's like to struggle for the first time in college. Yep. And it's February. That's really, really different. 
because they've come in and absolutely blew the doors off the place. Not necessarily them individually, even though they've been great, but just from the jump in those tournaments in November. Yeah. Oh, just that Phil Knight Classic. I mean, come on. Oh, you beat Duke. You beat West Virginia. You beat Gonzaga. All of a sudden, you you're starting on this team. You're coming in this program, and there's eh, you know everybody's like, oh yeah, what what uh, Rossine always says, you know, Matt Painter Sharpie. You know he's going to be there, but you aren't expecting to be number one team in the country all of a sudden two weeks into the season. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to ask him about Death that. Death taxes Matt Painter. Yep. yep. Great say, but no, I like I wonder what it's like to be a Fletcher lawyer or a Braden Smith where, and it's not like they struggled in high school. No, I mean they were elite high school basketball players. So. The back-to-back losses before the Ohio State win, that's probably the first time in their basketball careers, respectively, because Fletcher Laurie played a very, very high-level AAU circuit. Braden Smith played all the big boys around here. Yep. It's probably the first time in their basketball careers that they've ever really had that kind of adversity, that struggle, that tough to accept, man, we just lost back-to-back games. What? Where? Where do we come? Where do we go from here? Right. And that that that's going to be valuable down the stretch, especially like we talked about yesterday, Joey, for a team that is looking for advanced tournament success based off the last two years. Maybe those losses will be good in the grand scheme of things for mm-hmm. them because it's not like it's going to impact their tournament resume. Right. That's That's been set in stone, as you just said, since November. Although we are edging on the one-two line, I think, which is a uh, big I, difference. I don't know about that one. If, if they were to get upset by IU... On Saturday. I use rank though. Still, Purdue's going to be yeah, a favorite. Throw, throw them out. I, I don't think that's a bad. <laughs> you and I have had this conversation. The rankings are decorative pieces. It, it, I don't it, think it, that's a bad loss. It, it's not. I agree with you. It's not a bad loss for a number of different reasons. But like, it, like same reason Michigan State. I'm looking more of where where Michigan State. I is. definitely value more rankings more than yeah, most. You, and, yeah. and, that, and that's, which that's is fine. That's not but, a problem. I just mean that like when you look at a matchup like that, like Michigan State is still very much in the hunt for one of those buys in the. Like the conference outside of Purdue still has what a two or three game lead top of the standings is pretty jam packed two through six. Like just because I use fortunate enough to have the ranking because they've been on a nice stretch prior to the Northwestern and a loss to Michigan State last night doesn't mean that, you know, it's a bad loss. It's a quad one game. It's an opportunity to get a another win on your resume for Purdue. I, I can't remember if it's a, if it, it's, it's still a quad one game, I think, because where I use ranked in the top 60 in the country. But for IU, it's 100% a quad one game because it's a road game and it's against arguably the top team in the nation. Well, that's all I'm saying is that, no, <laughs> if IU were to lose or if IU were to go into Mackey on Saturday night and win, that's not a bad loss for Purdue. In the grand scheme, yes, in Indiana, people, Purdue fans, that's a horrible loss. That blows. Oh, right? rivalry, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's a heartfelt but, loss. But when, you know, the people who are looking at the stats and numbers guys, all the Joel Lenardi's and everything, not not a, not a terrible loss, okay? But a month ago, Purdue was looking runaway, number one overall seed in the tournament. And, and talking about a program that is just dying to get back to that final four, right? I think that is so huge to be the number one overall. I mean, totally we're talking the path of least resistance. Totally agree. Right? Yes. So it's like now a month later, going into biggest game of the year for probably both teams, right? You're sitting there saying, okay, they're losing. Now all of a sudden, ah, maybe the fourth one seed? Maybe, are we on the two seed line now? I think that's to a reassure big, big you, difference. I think to reassure you a bit on that and to reassure Purdue fans as well, Purdue has Indiana, and then who, who do they close with? They Wisconsin one more after, and, and Illinois. So they have three Illinois games home. left. So yeah. let's say, let's say they go two and one. 
sake of argument. That probably puts them still in the one seed. I think they're a one seed just fine. Uh, let, let's go. Let's go the reverse then. Let's say they go one and two. They are still going to be favored within the Big Ten tournament. That barring them getting upset in like the third round, they 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 have the, they have the, uh, not a path of least resistance, but they have a better likelihood to redeem themselves in terms of their seeding based on how far we think they're going to go in the Big Ten. Got it. The Big Ten tournament. In my mind, yeah, because you know, you always have, yep. it, it feels like it's always Sparty Purdue or Sparty Michigan or, or you know, I just... It, well, hell, look at Iowa last Sunday. year. Right, exactly. You know, they got on that run, yep. went crazy, beat Purdue, won the whole thing, and then, of yep. course, you know, my idiot self was one of those that's like, uh, Keegan Murray, uh, Iowa's You put hot. Iowa in your Final F- Four. 5-12, baby. That team's riding, <laughs> the riding destiny. Bounce in the first round. Did you put so them yeah. in your Final Four? Of course I did. Joey. What? Joey. What do you mean? You can't do that. Why? You can't. I, I, I had them second weekend, but I, I, I didn't. I don't remember what their full pa- I don't remember who they lost to. I really don't. It's not in my head. I don't remember who they lost to. like Creighton? Or, that uh, sounds it was right. Somebody like, yeah, and you know what? If like it that. was Creighton, that's why I picked Creighton because I have I have some Big East bias in my blood too. And I was like, yeah, they're going to you know, real good. I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm still soaking. I won my bracket challenge with my friend group last year. So well I'm, done. I'm, I'm just trying to soak that as much as possible. I, I never have. It's almost like my bracket turns out every year where it's almost as if I'm trying to be the least <laughs> successful. It's insane. I think three out of my four last year, the first weekend, the first day, we're bounced, but I did bounce back and take uh, St. Peter's uh, money line at the half at plus eight hundred, so that made up for everything against Kentucky. I yeah, thank you for the clarification. Team, the I was, I was yeah. worried for a second. Okay, thank you. <laughs> my, claim to fa- my claim to fame is that I interviewed Shaheen Holloway before the tournament started. Oh, nice. So St. Peter's, yeah, Big star. So, so yeah, so people were like, anybody ever it, checked in they, on Doug Eady since but, uh, last March? Iowa lost to Richmond, by the way. Rich, the spiders. There it was the spiders. Doug Eady, though, that guy, he cashed in. And I was like, once they lost, and we'll Doug never Eddard? hear from him again. Was it Doug Eady? Doug Eddard. Eddard, yeah. Eddard. Mustache guy. Yeah, mustache. Yeah, Doug. He got the beat ups deal. He became a star. He's a meme. <laughs> he became a star. <laughs> you just got dugged. You got, it's like the past three years, if you have a mustache and you're kind of goofy looking, Oh, you're, you're just destined you're be to be a star. a star in the March Madness. Yeah, I mean, your your former, I mean, your friends, uh, Big Cat and PFT picked yeah. that up pretty well. Yes, exactly. With, with Doug. Yeah, no, he had himself a day. And, he um, transferred. Days at Bryant. Yeah, he transferred. So that team kind of. You know, he should have gone to Seton Hall. Bit, he would have been such a fun Big East player. Oh, no he would have played like Absolutely. five, played five minutes a game, hit a three. People would go nuts. Yeah, doing section have stashes on like just like they did St. Peter's would be great. I had Edie on the mind. And we got, you know, the, the, the IU-Purdue game is closing in on us, so I'm just thinking about uh, how tall Zach Eady is and how many different sports he played in high school and how his mom is at every game. Well, All as our things. friend Jim would say, he's the top quartile of the upper quartile. Oh, yeah. That is definitely yeah. fair to say. I'm just hoping that Purdue true. continues to follow him and that and not drop down to the two line. Speaking of Jim, did you have a chance to reflect on your ultimate take yesterday about Anthony Richardson? Did you go home yeah. feeling good about that one? Still do. Still on the train? Again, not on the train of, you know, hey, Hallie, oh, let's draft Anthony Richardson, number one. Let's trade up, no doubt, without question, draft him number one. But I think the basis of which my argument was presented and opening up everybody's kind of mind I think he did a great around job. here. I think he did a great job. I still stand by it. I still stand by it. The traits, the... Uh, athleticism and really I kept coming back to that pairing the pairing of Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter to where you have that athleticism that you can base upon where you have the identity when he's first here just like Jalen Hurts just like the guy that was with the now head coach of this organization this franchise 
Then on the backside, the development, year two, year three. You know, rookie season, nobody's expecting for whether it's Bryce Young, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson to come in and all of a sudden this is a 12-win team. Nobody's expecting that from any of them. So you take that and you run with it in year one, literally with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor and company, and then year two, year three, you start seeing that development on the back end. I, I, I think that my argument stands. I like it. Here's what I want to ask you, though. Yeah. The NFL Combine's coming right up in our backyard. Sure. We were talking about that before the show, about what the schedule is actually going to be like. Who's going to talk to who? Does Jim Ursay have conversations with quarterbacks? Is this a different situation where Ursay is in those conversations because of how big of a pick this is? But how much do you look at the NFL Combine as a game changer? Do you think things really change conversation-wise after the NFL Combine? Does it have that big of an impact still? Because there are guys, you know, being there last year, they bring the running backs on, they bring the wide receivers on to the bench press, and 20 of them come up and say, hey, my name is blank from this school, and I will not be benching as per advice from my agent. And then 25 <laughs> people twenty-five people in line say the same thing, and then there's the one guy that played at, like, UAB, and he's like, I will be benching. And then he does, like, 30 reps, yeah, and this, this guy swole. Yeah. And so, uh, to me, that was like, all right. Well, what does the combine? What does the combine do? Is it just an interview process now, pretty much the combine, since guys aren't doing the physical stuff? No, I think it changes a hundred percent. You know, because what's funny is you see all these former GMs and former coaches around this time. Beware of the underwear Olympics. Beware <laughs> of the workout warriors. And what's funny is a lot of those guys. Why they're talking about that now is because they were in on the underwear Olympics and the workout warriors, right? It's hard not to become infatuated with these guys that go out there. And like we talked about with Anthony Richardson, like we saw from Josh Allen, like we saw from Saquon Barkley, DK Metcalf, these different guys who go out there, launch the ball 90 yards, right? Run a four, four when you, you know, you're like, yeah, maybe a four, six, whoa, four, four, right? It's hard not to fall in love with these guys and then talk yourself into, yeah, oh, yeah this could, we can make this work. All right, we can we can throw that on, and that's an easy sell for a lot of people, especially our owner. So I, I think a lot of this time of the year, you're going to see those things where it's, hey, come on, don't put too much stock in it, don't put too much emphasis on it, and then everybody does. Everybody does because all the national people are there. Like you look up and down. Oh yeah, the uh, press conference area. Here's Sirius XM. Here's CBS Sports. Here's Fox. Here's ESPN with all their stages, mm-hmm. and they're talking about those kids, and they're they're feeding right into the storylines. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's again when you're a decision maker. You know, if you're a Chris Ballard, if you're a GM, if you're a, a, an owner, especially, I think you see those those traits, those measurables, and you wow, your eyes get really big. Wow, that guy in our <laughs> uniform running that oh, fast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anthony Ray, yeah, I'm not going to do that on this air. Um, but you you start to think about that guy in our uniform, that guy in our building, right. that guy with these guys that we just brought in that are going to develop him. Ooh, that's tempting. Very, very tempting. Easy and, to do. Especially if the combine is to end February. The teams then have two months to think about, hey, remember Remember in February when we saw that? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the weekly conversation until April. And that's not even talking about the pro days. You not got all the pro days in there in between. Right. And it, that's where you hope that your general manager, to Joey's point, is not thrown off or easily swayed by the eye candy. That you're bottling everything up and waiting it as you see fit to a point that you're not being, oh man, did you see that pass? This guy's our guy. Like you let it, <laughs> let, yeah. let it develop over the course of what your scouts and you have seen in the college season 
to what you see from the combine and the pro day. You got to wait it. But I think it ends up being a lot like, so I've been on this Friday Night Lights kick recently, the show. Sure. Finally dove into it. Love it. I think it's a lot like Tim Riggins, whereas Tim Riggins, he's kind of this the, the classic bad boy, the troubled, you know, and, and every girl wants to say, I can fix Tim Riggins. I can be the one that fixes Tim Riggins. And I think it ends up being a lot like that with a lot of front offices and a lot of decision makers is they see the combine, they see the eye candy, they see the eye popping, uh, you know, measurables, traits, and they say, we could be the one that develops him. We can be the one that makes him the guy. It's like a speedster that can't catch. Man, he's 4-2, but he can't really catch. We can, we can help him with that. And it's then- Devin Hester. We'll De- start him out with some Devin screens. Hester could not catch. Just get the ball in his yep. hands. It doesn't matter. That was the conversation about Devin Hester sure. while I was growing up. You're like, man, this... This, this guy is elite. I, well, truly he was. He was, yeah. the, But he was the best kick returner that came into the league. And then it's like, oh, should we try and make him a running back? No, let's make him a wide receiver. On those routes, he's going to be able to just blast past people. And then he couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> and he couldn't catch the ball. Got it pretty well and kick off some punt returns, though. He figured it yeah, out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, the difference. Need right. more arc yeah. on the pass. <laughs> right. Really, really just moonball it up there to exactly. have to be fine. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like Happy Gilmore, able to drive yeah, the ball yeah, completely exactly. as far as possible and get to the green. Right. 100%. Just tapping in. It's a fa- oh, oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, hey, hey. Go ahead. It's Fan Midday Show. Uh, Joey Molinaro, Brennan King, Jimmy Cook on a Wednesday here with you. Glad to be with you. Chris Denary's coming up at 1 o'clock. Got to talk about uh, what's coming up for this last part of the season with the Pacers, what to expect, uh, what he's wanting to see out of this bunch before you head into the offseason. David Kaplan at 2 o'clock. Cubs, Bears, Colts, trade possibilities, and then Fletcher Lawyer at 2.30. But next... There's a mock draft that came out that is from a pretty prominent guy, one that you just heard from on Monday. He has the Colts staying at four. Who he has them taking, we'll tell you, and why next on The Fan. Fan Midday Show. Joey Molinaro, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook with you on a Wednesday. Ash Wednesday out there. Jimmy, do you know ashes for you today? No? 5.30 service. Oh, there you go. Okay. I went early. Got mine. You giving up anything for Lynn? I have not made that decision, and I'm bad about it every year in yeah. terms of actually making the decision. So as of right now, no. Is this something in your world? We're Brendan? all Catholic boys in Catholic here. Catholic boys? Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. I didn't go to Catholic school, though. Okay. So yeah, I'm a public school born guy. Born and raised, but yep. uh, I decided to give up wine. I'm giving up wine. You big for Lent. Big wine guy. Have a, you know, usually a couple glasses uh, throughout the week with dinner. Well, does that mean weekend, does, sip on that? You does know? that mean you can replace that with like a white claw or? Yeah, it's not alcohol totally. It's okay, just, just wine sure. is by far my. You know, that's what I'm having that's to your drink. If I'm doing it, so it will be. T- it'll be a challenge. That's what it's all about. <laughs> that's what it's all about. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, no, so, no sports betting giving up, Jimmy, for Lent. I mean, I could, but then I'd have to give up the plays of the day, and also like, and you this, can just this make the plays of the day. Something very bad else. Catholic, like it definitely does. So I'm sorry. Uh, but like March Madness to the middle of Lent, BK, like yep. I that's can't do that I, stuff. I, I, that's can't 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 I, give I mean, that. Up. Yeah, I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> uh, so just uh, breaking though, um, Taylor Luan, the left tackle, former left tackle for the Tennessee Titans, has been informed that he's going to be released. He's going to be a free agent, and we talked a lot about this week so far that the Colts' offensive line play not great in twenty twenty two. Going to look to improve in 2023. Left tackle, going to have a young quarterback. I know that you're banking on hoping that Bernard Ryman uh, progresses the way you want him to. But do you give him a look? Never a bad thing for one to have some insurance on the offensive line, considering last year, at the start of the year, you're starting left tackle with somebody that never played the position before. Yep. 
So that wouldn't be good to do again. Number two, we were talking about this during the break. The Colts kind of need to stick it back to the Titans because Danico Autry has been just harassing Indianapolis for the last two years. Gives a nice salute up to, uh, I can say, you know, probably the general manager box. More than likely. He does, whenever he does something. It's not to Zach Kiefer, that's for sure. <laughs> He's not saluting yeah, to Zach not Kiefer. To, not to or Kevin else. Bowen right. or, or me or anybody. Definitely not Kevin Bowen. He's, he, KB was always a Danico Autry guy. Me too, sure. yeah. Yeah, so. This, is, this was very much a Danico Autry studio. That was a pretty disappointing move. But yeah, I you know, I'm I'm sure Ryman's your guy down the road. But you know, who's to say that you don't test Ryman somewhere else? Too. I mean, get him experience. If Taylor Lewan comes in here, for one, you got some stability at left tackle. And you would argue maybe the Colts had that with Eric Fisher, it just didn't work out. But you know, it I, I don't I don't think signing Lewan to try and protect your franchise investment that's playing behind that line, I don't think that's going to be looked at as a bad thing. And it's a two-way street in free agency, obviously. So, you know, Taylor Lewan is going to look at Indianapolis. All right, they're kind of starting over. They're going to have a rookie quarterback. Probably not going to be a contender for a little bit. He's on the back part of his career. He's going to want to cash in, probably while also looking to be a part of a team that has a chance to be a contender down the stretch. So maybe not a right fit, but you never know. You got a left tackle out there who's played a long time in the league that's been successful. Maybe you kick the tires, give him a call. They just need to figure that out because they've had opportunities to for a number of years. More than two. Eric Fisher, they gave it a run, mm-hmm. just didn't work. Yep. And I applaud them for trying. But they were right and you couldn't bring him back. Last year, with the prior stuff, somewhat egregious. That you even that you even tried to convince people that would work. Yeah, malpractice almost could be the word that you would use for yeah, that situation. Yeah, you just gave yourself no shot in the world. And, and did that have to do with a good chunk of the, as Zach Kiefer said yesterday, the 60, 60, 60 sacks that you gave up? Was it all Matt Pryor's fault? No, but the start of last year, you couldn't, you had to tie the Houston Texans, then you lay an egg in Jacksonville, you somehow beat the Chiefs. No offense, Jimmy. I think he's I, fine. I, th- I yeah. think he'll sleep fine at night. Yeah, it's, it's good. I still, I still want to know what Chris Jones said. I want that in the documentary. Didn't say that yeah, yesterday, but, but outside of that, no, it's good. It's fine. Yeah. No. Yeah, you got you to gotta figure that out. It would have been one There's thing. no other option. It would have been one thing going into 2022 if you said, nah, we got a Lamar Jackson type. We got, we got, we got a, a Josh Allen type back there that can – move around a lot and we're going to experiment with the left tackle you know arguably the second most important position on the roster definitely on offense <laughs> you had you had a statue back there you're going into the season <laughs> yeah. saying yeah this guy is not going to be able to avoid a lot uh, let's throw this this band-aid on it why did philip rivers have success here Philip Rivers had success here because Anthony Costanzo was his left tackle. Quentin Nelson was playing at an all-pro level. Ryan Kelly was terrific. Mark Lewinsky was playing pretty well at that time. Yeah. And, and Braden Smith, that was before Braden Smith got paid. Mm-hmm. There right. it is, Joey. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Monday we had um, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, lead draft analyst on, um, and he is known for putting out about four, maybe five mock drafts. You know, everybody does the weekly you know, version 8.2 that you lead up to the draft. Not DJ. Daniel Jeremiah does about four. He does one at the end of the season. He does one uh, right before the combine, after the combine, after free agency, and maybe like the week before the draft. So maybe four to five, right? He doesn't put them out often. 
So you, you really look at this one as one, okay, you want to trust this, all right? So he came out with his yesterday. He doesn't do trade-ups before the combine. That'll come, ne- that'll come after the combine next week. But at four, he has the Indianapolis Colts taking C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Now on Monday, we were able to ask D.J.'s thoughts about all the quarterbacks, but specifically C.J. Stroud. Well, I think he's a natural thrower. So he's just got he, – he throws a beautiful ball. He's got a great motion. Um, he can make every type of throw. You know, I thought his arm got physically stronger this year. Um, I thought when I watched him the year before, you know, he can always get the ball up and over the top, throw a nice deep ball. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between that and being able to really power the ball into tight windows. And that was a little – you know, I thought it was average when I watched him uh, last year. This year I thought he's incorporating his lower body more. He drove the ball better. So the throwing is, is excellent. You feel really good about that. The, the concern with him is he's not real sudden or urgent in his movement, and he wasn't really much of a playmaker in terms of making things happen under pressure. Um, and then, of course, we all get to the playoff game and see him you know, play like I've never seen him play before in my life, where he was making all kinds of plays off schedule and shows you that he can do it. And there's an old adage in scouting, if they can do it once, uh, they can do it. So you know what's in there. Uh, it was just a little bit frustrating you didn't see more of that uh, throughout his career. So that would be a little bit of the concern there. Uh, but man, as a thrower, really, really natural. Natural thrower of the ball. And again, that was Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. And then we talked with Zach Kiefer yesterday, and we kind of were going back and forth on, okay, you know, Bryce Young, maybe he's too cold, right? Maybe he's, when we're looking at the the, the, the three bear comparison, right? Like he He's too small. Love the accuracy, love the pocket presence, but he's too small. Will Levis, love the size, love the the physicality from him. Don't love the instinctiveness, don't love the pocket presence. Is C.J. Stroud that guy that's right in the middle that you're going to be able to kind of combine the best of both worlds? It's almost like a Goldilocks Correct. feel. Correct. But, yeah, I, I think Colts fans would be happy with either of the two. You get Bryce Young, terrific. You get C.J. Stroud, terrific. Especially with the hires that were made, as you brought up a few minutes ago. Steichen has shown that he's a quarterback producer. I'm not going to say whisper because we had to go through that already <laughs> for the last five years of quarterback whisper, quote-unquote. But Steichen has shown that he can develop quarterbacks and make them play at a high level from one end to the other. Completely different sides of the game. Jim Bob Cooter. You know, the Lions stunk when he was there, but Matthew Stafford, gunslinger. And at the end of the day, Jim Bob Cooter, he ran that offense. So you bring C.J. Stroud in here, Jim Bob Cooter's offense, and I realize Shane Steichen's going to be calling plays, but the offense will be made by both Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter. Built around, gunslinger effect, C.J. Stroud's got a big arm. Then you look at the weapons you have. Alec Pierce showed last year, He can catch balls downfield. The big Matt Ryan play. That might have been in the Chiefs game, I think, when Alec Pierce scored that 40-yard touchdown. It was the Jaguars. Was it the Jaguars game? Oh, yeah, that's right. But either way, Alec Pierce has shown that he can go get the deep ball. Michael Pittman, maybe that's what he was waiting on last year. How does the wide receiver room elsewhere develop? We'll see. But C.J. Stroud, as Daniel Jeremiah brought up, throws a good ball. That's what Colts wide receivers need. The quarterback's going to be in town along with all the other draft prospects who got invited to the Combine uh, next week starting 
on Sunday, people will start early arrivals. Uh, but then for the quarterbacks, they will not be on the field doing on-field drills, workouts, throwing, and measurements until Saturday. So that's Saturday, March 4th, when you'll see all the guys are going to be want to watch. Will Levis, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, all going to be out there. Uh, but a week from today, they will be in team interviews. Team interviews start with quarterbacks Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way through Friday when they're doing, as they say, kind of the speed dating in the National Football League. When they're at the Combine, you get about 15, maybe 20 minutes where you can go in, have a conversation with the teams. You can get a feel on the guy. Uh, again, that kind of comes at the pro day when you can sit down with them for a longer, much longer period of time. Uh, but that'll be happening as we speak here next week, March 1. Uh, interviews will be underway for the quarterbacks all the way Tuesday through Thursday. And again, the uh, on-field workouts happening on Saturday. So seeing um, them out there launching it downfield, maybe some running the 40. I will be interested to see if a guy like C.J. Stroud runs the 40. Because you were talking about, Brennan, when we're over there at Radio Row at the convention center, you have guys go up, and it used to be everybody was benching. Now, not very many guys do that, right? You, you kind of start to see that a little bit with the 40. You know, you, a lot of people want to do it on their home turf with their facilities, with their guys at their pro days, and rightfully so. But you look at a guy like C.J. Stroud, and what DJ was talking about, he didn't kind of play with that sense of urgency. You didn't really see him going out and making those explosive plays with his legs, moving around until that final four game against Georgia. So is he a guy that comes in and says, yeah, I'm going to just sit back on, on that tape, what I put there, or is he going to go out there and say, yeah, I'm going to run the 40 and you know, maybe try to hit a 4-5, 4-6 to add to what he can already do, right, on his resume. Well, if there was ever a time to show up <laughs> and have an impact on things, it was that game because all eyes were on you. Um, usually, the lasting impression for folks, how people remember you, is the last time they saw you. And <laughs> the last time folks saw CJ Stroud, Joey is pretty damn good. Right. Yep, it was. And, and and that's the story. Against the best defense in the country, the most dominant team in the country the last two years, the team that David Pollock, you know, although a, a Bulldog himself, said has taken over college football, and you can't really argue with that. And he went out there and did it primetime, national stage, in the biggest moment. Um, so he does have that in his cap as compared to an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis where you don't really know what the last time was that you saw him. Right? I mean, Bryce Young at least has the Sugar Bowl when he went out there and carved up Kansas yeah. State. I mean, did you, you yourself, did you watch a Kentucky or Florida game last year? Yes, I try to watch the, the CBS slate every week. Noon, 3.30, yeah, yeah. 7.30. I'm taking that in. It's a good choice. Yeah. I, I can't remember watching a full Kentucky or Florida game last year. Watch the uh, Kentucky Ole Miss, Kentucky, Alabama, um. Yeah, watch both of those. And I remember the Ole Miss game was the one where Levis kind of went, did the helicopter, almost John Elway style, mm. fumbled late. Uh, it kind of cost him that one, right? Um, but yeah, you just don't really have that kind of last taste in your mouth that you have with C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. That's Joey Molinaro. I'm Brendan King. Jimmy Cook is here. DriveHubler.com studio. Quick timeout. 
When we come back, Joey, there's a take on Twitter right now that JMV just reposted about Shane Steichen. And it's a little bit juicy. I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, juicy take. I want to get your thoughts on this when we come back on the Fan Midday Show. Joey Molinaro is here. I'm Brendan King. Jimmy Cook as well on the ones and twos. JMV just reposting with a classic JMV quote tweet from Matthew, who says this on Twitter, Joey. I must say that I'm a little worried about Coach Shane Steichen. He sounds a lot like Nate Bjorkren. Ooh. Quote, the separation is in the preparation, which is what Shane Steichen said. And Matthew says that sounds like a Nate Bjorkren quote. Your thoughts? I honestly kind of forgot Nate Bjorken existed. Remember him? So, <laughs> oh, that was a weird. He weird went straight time. back to being an assistant with the Raptors. Yeah, so it ended up okay for him. I mean, that's nice. Yeah, he's that he fine. Just, you know, he's sitting on the NBA bench somewhere. And I always kind of felt bad for him, in a way, but it's not like he did himself any favors. It was a really, really weird year, weird situation, and I get the hesitancy with fans. Right, you can kind of hear these things from coaches from ownership, from general managers, hell, even players, you kind of roll your eyes. Okay. But I think from the way that I, I heard it, it, it seems like that's just a proven way that Shane has had success. Right? We talked to Zach Kiefer about all the way back into high school when Shane Steichen was doubling as the offensive coordinator and the quarterback for his high school team. That's just kind of a foundation that he built upon himself that he believes in that's worked for him, you know? So I think Shane Steichen said those things because that's just how he operates. I don't think he was saying them as a win the press conference, put it on a T-shirt type of thing, you know? I feel like you can tell when it's genuine and when it's not. Especially in coaching because there's so much general stuff that gets said, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you could tell when, like, for example, Jimmy, actually, I just finished, I got ESPN Plus, and I just finished The Captain with Derek Jeter. And all Derek Jeter said during his entire career was general answers. Very basic. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can tell when somebody, and not, that's not to say Derek Jeter wasn't genuine, not to offend you, Jimmy, but <laughs> but, but I, you could be genuine in general, but like, I think you know the difference between somebody genuinely hyped up about what they're saying and and not. Well, yeah, that and it, it, like for me, it's the kind of stuff, it, it, the rah rah phony. Like if they had a video that the Colts put out on social media, and Shane Steichen was, you know, coming into a, the first team meeting there, he meets the guys and was, you know, getting all rah rah and you know we we stand up and we we blah 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 we do that. And, you know, to me, that's like all right, how phony are you trying to? You're trying to play the character of a coach. Right, you're trying to great do video all, yesterday, by the way. Thanks. You're trying to do all these things like on Friday Night Lights, like what you'd see on Coach Taylor. It's like this is my field, and this is my this is how we wear the hats in this building. Like, no one cares if you're gonna have the the preparation and separation. That's fine because that's film study, that's game plan, that's what you want. That's what you want, Jimmy. I mean, it's a lose lose. Like, I'm not saying you can't have a relationship with the media, but like everybody that's covering a team wants an angle wants a story wants a scoop to give their listeners especially in new york so right especially in bigger markets and 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 the shane steichen thing like he could be as open and honest as possible and to joey's point like maybe that would be misinterpreted as like he has his own agenda or or he's being phony or you can have coach speak play it safe which is what a lot of 
iconic coaches and iconic players have done throughout time. Jeter, one of them, as you referenced, and more often than not, that's going to work out for you. It's better to not say anything and be vague and make it sound like, well, that was really profound, when in reality, you're just kind of saying cliches and different vague isms to keep everybody happy with just enough. Well, a guy that has a lot to say, you watch him uh, whenever the Pacers are on television. Kristen Airy is going to be joining us at the top of the hour when we come back. All things post-All-Star break with your Indiana Pacers. That's next on The Fan. Just after 1 o'clock, Fan Midday Show. Joey Molinaro, Brennan King, Jimmy Cook. Thanks for being with us on Wednesday. Uh, joining us now... The television voice of your Indiana Pacers, Chris Denary. Chris, thanks for hopping on with us. How was your all-star break? Did you discover any new hobbies? Are you feeling well-rested heading down the stretch here? Uh, hey, and you guys, uh, a little throwback music. It reminded me of my college days uh, hey in Crawfordsville at Wabash with a little rubber band man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my wife and I were down in Myrtle Beach. Uh, our oldest son and daughter-in-law live there. He's been down there for 10 years. And uh, they are expecting our second grandson in July. Uh, currently, I have my uh, grandson here with me today. I'm, I'm back in, uh, in Carmel. Uh, but so we did a lot of painting and work around the house. So I, I can't say that it was really vacation, but it was great to see uh, Evan and Meredith because uh, we don't get to see them all that, you know, all that much since they're down in South Carolina. But uh, no, it was good. Um, I'm sort of back at it. I'm sitting here at my desk. My grandson, Archer, is taking a nap, and uh, I am uh, prepping for tomorrow night's game with the Celtics. Well, Archer's got the right idea on a gloomy Wednesday, for sure. There's He, he does. Uh, he does. We, we did a little playing. I picked him up uh, at my son's house. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the dogs are sleeping here on the floor underneath my desk. Archer's sleeping, and uh, I might fall asleep, too. But, <laughs> well, uh, before you do that, Chris, uh, just the NBA All-Star festivities, just how beneficial was everything to the Pacer brand itself? Because Matherin and Nemhard play well in the Rising Stars. Both Halliburton and Heald make the final in the three-point contest. Halliburton gets picked by Team LeBron to play in the All-Star game. Just so, from a Pacers perspective, how much of a positive impact does that have for the organization? I think it has a lot. I mean, you you have the young the, the young players, and I, I count Buddy Heald, even though he's a little older than the other guys. I mean, what he's done uh, this year uh, has been fantastic, leading the NBA in, in three-point shots. He's made 230. Uh, going into the final 22 games. And then you've got, you know, three young players. And, uh, you know, Halliburton, an all-star, he he can be a star in this league. We've seen Benedict Mather and what he's accomplished uh, through his first 60 games. And then uh, the number 31 pick, I mean, a second-round draft pick. It's a good, you know, one of the best, I think, the best second-round contract in the history of the NBA in Andrew Nemhard, and has stepped into the starting lineup and, and done a, a really good job. And so to see all those players recognized on a not just a national but an international stage i think is huge for the pacers brand television voice of your indiana pacers chris denary with us and and chris we we talked about it with uh scott agnes on monday just about kind of the next steps for this team for this organization like you mentioned you got Halliburton, the building blocks are kind of there. Uh, from your perspective, what's the next move heading into you know the end of this year, into next year, to where we're starting to say, yeah, we're going to see this team start to really be up there in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think one of the things that, that you do is in the final 22 games of the year, 
uh, you know, you put your best foot forward and, and put yourself in, in positions where uh, you learn how to win. And, and I think they did a really good job of that early in the year. Um, they've been one of the best clutch teams in the NBA. They did that in the final game before the All-Star break. Now, you don't want to get down 24 too often, but they were able to come back and rally against the Bulls. All of those things help you grow as a team. And each individual, uh, what, what Rick Carlisle talks about a lot is, especially on the defensive end, is take care of your own business um, in, in how you are guarding your player because that's going to feed in, in in how the total team approaches its its defense. If if one man has a breakdown, then it really puts the onus on the other four. So I think individual improvement is key in these final 22 games. Uh, it'll be, I think, a very exciting summer uh, because the Pacers have three number one draft picks. They've got their own. Uh, they've got Boston's. They've got Cleveland's. Um, as Kevin Pritchard likes to say, a lot of optionality. Uh, you have a lot of cap space going into the year. So I think it's an exciting time. And, and I've been really pleased uh, with the, the atmosphere at Gamebridge Fieldhouse all year long, especially, I think, starting in December. You could just see that the fan base really enjoyed watching this team. And, and that continued, guys, even even through a stretch where – they were losing 16 of 18. You were still having near sellout crowds. You were having a lot of enthusiasm because I think people understand what the long game is and that you're developing this, this youthful core that has a chance to be really good down the stretch. Christian Aries with us here on the fan. Chris, and you mentioned the 16 of 18, and hopefully the Pacers are able to get past that, beating the Bulls on Wednesday. But one of the bright spots, even more so, of that tough run Chris Duarte seemed to figure it out, especially in that Bulls game was really good. But in a number of those games where really in the grand scheme of things, the Pacers did not play well for much of the game, you know, Chris Duarte seemed to be back. So what was the difference for him in late January and here to start February for you? Is it just a matter of getting on the floor and uh, you know, kind of getting back in the swing of things with his shot? Yeah, I think that. And, you know, when you have an ankle injury, I mean, uh, th- that 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 really impacts everything that you do. Uh, I mean, think about it just in everyday life. If you have a foot or an ankle injury, I mean, it's tough to get around. And he said that it really, you know, created some problems. And then when I think he came back early, he really tried to push things because he had been out of the rotation. Now you're trying to get back in the rotation and, you know, his shot wasn't where he wanted it to be. And, and, you know, his game, I think the first 13 or 14 games, he really struggled. And then he had a couple of games where he hit shots, got more confident. You know, I thought he was really good in, in the Bulls game before the All-Star break in that third quarter. He had a double-figure quarter. Uh, so all those things are important. And, uh, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, had a, had a, a really good rookie season. He was second-team all-rookie. He averaged double figures. And that was despite missing, you know, I think 15 to 20 games at the end of the year with his toe injury. So a lot of it, as players will tell you, it's all about confidence. And it's not just physical confidence. It's mental confidence that, that, you, can, that you can handle what's in front of you. And so it's been good to see him rebound after a tough start when he came back. 
uh, from the injury. That's Chris Sonari with us on the Fan Midday Show. And Chris, you mentioned earlier, uh, especially that 16 to 18, 16 out of 18 game stretch there where the Pacers just consistently found themselves in holes just like they did last Wednesday against Chicago. Is there something you can point to? I mean, what, what, what has been the issue that has made it to where every other night it feels like you're looking up and they're down 15 in the first quarter? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I mean, uh, I, I don't know how you can put a finger on it because Rick Carlisle, even uh, in, in that Chicago game, made a change in the starting lineup. He inserted T.J. McConnell and, and brought Andrew Nemhart off the bench, and then they were down 24. Uh, what was it, 39 to 15 at the end of the first quarter? And he said, well, that apparently didn't work. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's um, you know, a lot of times it's the offense, and then there are times it's the defense, and, and they, they struggle stopping people in that initial quarter. It's been interesting because the first and the third quarters have been the Pacers' poorest quarters of the year, and the second and the fourth, they're right up there either first or second as far as points scored and margin. Uh, so it, it's pretty interesting to look at, um, you know, why they've been so poor in the first and third quarters. The one thing is this group always believes it can get back in a game. Uh, Thirteen times they've rallied to win, uh, trailing by double figures. That's tied for number one in the NBA. Three times they've trailed by as many as 20 points and one, and that's the most in the NBA. So the one thing you can say about this group is even if they get down, they have a lot of confidence that they can fight their way back in. Chris, listening to the Rising Stars game uh, here at Aired on the Fan with Marques Cesar and P.J. Carlissimo, uh, you know, Andrew Nemhard, I think he had one terrific, like, behind-the-back pass, didn't score much. But, you know, Benedict Matherin, he, he went and scored, and it seems like even, as, just like Chris Duarte, during the Pacers stretch where they were struggling, you could still get Ben Matherin pretty much automatic for 10 points. Plus, uh, he has pinpointed a lot to Rick Carlisle really pushing him in his rookie season. Why do you think Rick is the best available, best option coach for Matherin in his rookie year based on what you've seen and how he coaches him? Well, I think the one thing is, you know, he has a proven track record. He's won a title. Uh, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Fame coach. And uh, he is the, the consummate teacher, um, and he enjoys teaching the game of basketball. And I think Benedict recognizes that. I mean, Rick will say that numerous times Matherin has come to him and say, hey, coach me hard. I can take it. Let me know what I'm doing wrong. You don't have to tell me everything that I'm doing right all the time. And the guy is just a competitor. I mean, you can tell that when you're on the bus with him. You can tell it when he walks into a shoot-around, when he walks into a practice. I mean, this is a young man that is focused, and, and he wants to be the best that he can be. And I'm not saying that every player doesn't want that, but some some players maybe want it a little bit more. And uh, he clearly has a mindset that he wants to be the best that he can be. And uh, if you look over the first 60 games, sure, he's had uh, he had about a, a three- or four-game stretch where he averaged nine points per game, but that's been few and far between. Um, I mean, this is a guy that – you know, he's been in double figures in 51 of the 60 games. Uh, he's had 24, 25, 20-point games. I mean, he's doing things that normal rookies just don't do. Uh, so I think the sky's the limit for this young man, and he has a chance to be what Tyrese Halliburton was this year, and that's be an all-star. Now with those two, Chris, 
uh, and Halliburton and, and Matherin? Are we looking at hopefully you know potential? Do do they have the potential combined um, to be one of those one-two punches that so often, unfortunately, in the past, uh, the Pacers have been on the short end of where you know whether it's a Dwayne Wade, LeBron James type of of, of duo. Can you see that five years from now, seven years from now, where where Matherin and Halliburton are? two of the guys in the league that that uh, really put the Pacers up near the top year in and year out? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, they, they play different positions than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, uh, who we'll see tomorrow night at Gamebridge Fieldhouse with the Celtics. But, um, you know, they're as talented a duo as there is in the NBA, and there's no reason why Matherin and Halliburton can't be that, just maybe in a different way. Uh, you've got a point guard and a, and a two or a three, Whereas Jalen Brown and, and Tatum, you know, play anywhere from the two to the four spot. You know, in this day and age, Quinn Buckner and I talk about this all the time. It's it's almost as if position is irrelevant anymore. I mean, you you, you have guards, you have wings, you have a big person. Um, so I, I do think that those two can be really really special. And, and I think one of the biggest things that happened for the Pacers happened a few weeks ago. And that's Miles Turner committing. Uh, to wanting to be a, a part of this franchise and and the Pacers wanting him to be a part of the franchise. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, in eight years has has grown as a member of the Pacers. We've seen him grow up before our eyes. And, and he wants to experience, you know, getting the Pacers back to where they feel they belong. And, you know, we were all around, you know, back in the 90s with Reggie and, and going to the finals in 2000. Uh, 12, 13, and 14, uh, those really good Pacers teams that uh, in 12 made it to the Eastern Conference semis and 13 and 14 made it to the Eastern Conference finals. I mean, that's what Pacers fans want, and that's what these players want. And so I think with the trio of Halliburton, Matherin, and Turner, and and then all these other young pieces, uh, I mean, you look down the road, there are going to be a lot of these teams that are above them that are older, they're going to have to retool. Well, the Pacers have already done that. And uh, I, I think one of the teams that you know we saw before the All-Star break is Chicago. I mean, Chicago was built to be a contender this year at some point with Vucevic and Levine and DeRozan. And here they are only a half game ahead of the Pacers, uh, what, an 11th in the Eastern Conference. So at, at some point over the course of the next you know two, three years, there's going to be a changing of the guard. And you're going to see some of these younger teams vault uh, to where they're contending in the Eastern Conference. Kristen Airy is our guest here on the Fan Midday Show. I'm Brendan King with Joey Molinaro. Uh, Chris, you alluded to Reggie Miller and years of the past, but I thought it was really cool. All-Star Weekend, you know, Reggie's on hand for the skills competition and three-point contests. And, you know, he's hyping up Tyrese Halliburton. He's hyping up Buddy Heald from a national perspective with the media how beneficial is it that Reggie is giving his endorsement and his stamp of approval on what the Pacers are doing right now? I mean, it's huge. And, uh, you know, I hear from Reggie via Twitter all the time. I mean, he's a guy that even though he lives out West and even though he's traveling to do games on TNT, he is a regular viewer of Pacers basketball. I mean, you don't spend 18 years, your entire NBA career with a franchise and, and not pay attention. And so I do think it's, it's very important to have somebody like Reggie Miller, um, you know, an all-timer, a Hall of Famer, um, who who continues to beat the drum uh, for the Indiana Pacers. 
What do we have to do to get a Reggie Miller statue out there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse? <laughs> we got all these renovations going on, Chris. I think I think we need one of him and one of Slick Leonard. What do you think? Yeah, hey, I'd be all for that. I mean, those are uh, you know, there's so many people that help build the Pacers franchise, and um, I think those are two names that 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 you mentioned. You know, when you think about Slick and Nancy and what they've meant uh, to the franchise, it's great. I, I get to see Nancy virtually every night. Uh, she sits just to the right of Quinn and I, and wow, it's nice cool. to give her a hug and and uh, you know know how special she is. And when we are out and about, um, you know, throughout the country, and there are Pacers fans, I'm going to tell you, it seems like 80 to 90 percent of the fans that live in another city or live in another country, when you ask them why are you a Pacers fan. They will say Reggie Miller. <laughs> I mean, he is the guy uh, for a lot of these, you know, younger Pacers fans in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s. Uh, they remember watching Reggie, and uh, that's that's why they become a Pacer fan, no matter where they live uh, in the country or the world. Let's just say that that was to happen, okay? With with the renovations, they say, oh, yeah, announcement, Reggie Miller statue happening. What would you choose to be? How he's in frame forever? What what uh, would it be? A shooting stance? Would it be the choke sign from Madison Square Garden? What would it be? <laughs> I think it'd be a shooting. You know, with you know, it, it's funny because so many people ask Ty, uh, Rick Carlisle, they'll ask Tyree Taliburton, "Hey, why didn't somebody change your shot?" And I would say, "Well, nobody changed Reggie's shot." You know, I, yeah. I would have that 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 right arm flying in the air, right, as he as he let fly a 25-footer. I, I definitely think you'd want Reggie shooting a three. Chris, uh, last thing for me here, there's been a lot of discussion over the last few days about the All-Star game itself and kind of how bad it was. It's just from a playing perspective. How would you change it to make it more competitive? Do you have any bright ideas? You know, it's really interesting because I thought a few years ago it was really good. Um, and, and I'll say this, Quinn and I had a chance in 2015 and 2017 uh, to go to South Africa, and the NBA played a couple of uh, all-star exhibition games over there. It was like the world against Team Africa. And so it was players who had a heritage uh, of, of African heritage. In fact, that's the first time I met Victor Oladipo uh, over there in 2017. But he played on Team Africa, and then you had Team World. And, guys, those were two highly competitive um, all-star games, and they were played in the dead of the summer. And so, you know, I know that they went away from East-West. I thought thought a few years ago it was very, very competitive. I was disappointed this year in watching it. Um, and, And when it started out, I thought, okay, at some point it will change. You know, as you go to the third quarter, you go to the fourth quarter, um, I, you know, I, I know that players aren't concerned. They are the value, and not that it's different from a few years ago, but the value is winning a championship. And so I think some players want to make sure that they're healthy going into the final 20 games of the season, and they're maybe a little leery of that situation. But it, it's something that I think you've got to look at because, like I said, I, I thought a couple of years ago, uh, the All-Star game had gotten back to uh, a very competitive level. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. There, there are a lot of people you know, far smarter than me that will try to figure it out. But um, 
like I said, back in 15 and 17 in the summer, um, those were really, really good games over in South Africa, and, and you'd like to see that type of game again uh, in the All-Star game. What's it been like having George Hill back in the building? It's been cool. Um, it, it was funny because, uh, what was it, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we were in Milwaukee, um, and George came over and visited with a lot of us, and you know, it was almost you're sitting there with him like he never left. I mean, he was a part of those Pacers teams I was talking about in 12, 13, and 14 that uh, were so good and, and, you know, put the Pacers right in the NBA spotlight. And so I think to have him back, he loves Indianapolis. Um, you know, he'll tell you he never wanted to leave in the first place. He was involved in the three-team trade that he went to Utah and the Pacers picked up Jeff Teague. Uh, but I think to have him back – um, you know, we don't know how much he'll play. We saw him the first game, did not see him against the Bulls. But I think what he can provide in the locker room and on the bench along somebody, alongside somebody like James Johnson, he can really be an asset to the coaching staff because he has experienced Pacers basketball at perhaps the highest level possible other than playing in an NBA Finals. And he has played in an NBA Finals with Cleveland. So I, I just think uh, his ability to relate to this young group and help coach them through uh, the experiences that he's had uh, will only be an asset to this uh, roster and this organization. That's Chris Denary with us on the Fan Midday Show. Chris, um, ho- glad you were able to enjoy some time with the family over the All-Star break, but uh, I know we're looking forward to Pacers basketball being back tomorrow night uh, with the Boston Celtics coming to town. Appreciate the time, sir. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Chris. Man, Reggie Miller statue. Thanks again, Chris. Appreciate you want the choking one? You know, I, I it would never happen. Never, never. It never, would never, never happen, but selfishly, I think that'd be the most badass, cool thing ever. If you have on one side of the entrance, you know, maybe on uh, Pennsylvania Street, you have uh, Slick and maybe even Slick and Nancy Leonard statue up there. And then on um, the Delaware side or vice versa, you have Reggie Miller out there in the concourse. So however people are entering the arena, you get to see the all time greats. Yeah. Like outside of the United Center, I think they hit a home run on the Michael Jordan statue. Dunk. Yep. One hand. Yeah. It's a Jordan logo. Yeah. Fantastic. For sure. Um. Also outside of the United Center, they got Bobby Hall and Stan Makita. Bobby Hall is winding up for a slap shot. Stan Makita, same thing. They had both of them had ferocious shots way back in the day. Ryan Sandberg's getting a statue outside of Wrigley. What do you think that'll be? A stance in the box. I I I hope they do something related to the Sandberg game. Right. I I don't. I just don't know if there's a specific right. stance you can do. Maybe. Maybe like rounding third when he hit the second home run. Mm, okay. But no, that, the Rhino statue is going to be great. I mean, the Harry statue Perfect. is timeless. See, it's like, you know, with Peyton, with the Peyton statue, that, that was a pretty easy one, right? He's back in the and yep. and uh, the peak of the pocket, you know, on the toes, like you mentioned. But I was always kind of of the opinion. I think Jake Query mentioned it back in the day when that happened, too. It should have been him up at the line of scrimmage, calling out an audible, <laughs> yeah. ta- hollering at Jeff Saturday <laughs> about something. I'm kind of the same way with like a potential Reggie one. The cool, the, the different one would be something like the show or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it'd most likely be that famous picture from Madison Square Garden, him in the air, you know, just getting ready to release a three pointer. Hopefully that happens one day. Is I there a statue? Outside uh, what is now Heinz Field, or Franco what Harris. used to be? 
Okay. It, it's a, it's a, it's not a statue. It's a, it's a memoriam for the Immaculate Reception, the exact spot that he caught the Immaculate Reception on December 23rd, 1972. That's fantastic. It's very cool. So it's a little bit of a statue, but it's not him. He does have a statue in the Pittsburgh airport of him catching it. So everybody comes in and sees that. But then right outside uh, what is now Acrisure Stadium, because just like so many other uh, you know places across the country, when they tore down Three River Stadium, they put the football, the new football here, and the new baseball here, and what was in the middle is where Three Rivers was. Now it's just parking lots and whatnot. But yeah, they have a, a shrine to that. I love very that. cool. I love it's, that. It's it, very cool. It's not so. It's not. Uh, were they going back to Heinz Field? Did no. I read that somewhere? No. no. What's no, it called now? No, no, no. It's Acrisure Stadium. Are They're you gonna, used to that by now or not? I, yeah, I thought it was overblown when people... See, I, I to just, me, it's cares? like the Sears Tower. Like, it'll always be the Sears Tower. It'll, sure. It'll always be Heinz. I'll call it Heinz, right? You know, it's just like, at the end of the day, what are we getting all up in arms about? <laughs> Anyways, uh, that was Chris Denary. You can hear uh, him on the Fan Midday Show podcast page. Going to be up there, thanks to Jay Cook. Coming over to the top of the hour, David Kaplan, uh, one of uh, BK's guys, a Chicago legend. He's going to talk all things Chicago Cubs. And, of course... What's going to happen with the Bears and the Colts? Anything cooking there? That's at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere on the fan. One thirty on a Wednesday. Hope the Wednesday is going swell, swimmingly. Joey Molinero, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook with you. Chris Denary, uh just joined us. All in favor of a Reggie Miller statue. I think there's a lot of us that can get behind that, no doubt. Um, got a few things on Twitter here, fellas. This is from Rick says, can we please discuss how bad the refs screwed IU last night? It's like the Big Ten is out to get us. Regardless, we'll bounce back with a huge double-digit win on Saturday. Whoa. It's fighting words for you. Fighting words, but, I mean, did we uh, watch a different game? I mean, what did you see where you were thinking, man, IU's yeah, really I, getting the short end of the whistle here? That's why I said, you know, Jimmy got pretty heated about the refs last week with Brian. Yeah, I mean, it, it was horrendous yeah, that, at that Northwestern. Got it, it was horrendous at Northwestern. Now, granted, I understand that if you're a Purdue fan listening to this, you're like, well, because Zach Eady gets small and never, and I get it. That's fine, okay? But we can both agree <laughs> and have like a, just a ceasefire for a second that the Big Ten officiating has been, it feels like, especially suspect this year. Both programs have a claim to that. That being said, I didn't feel that way last night. Especially life on the road yeah. in the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean you're going to get some home cooking every now and again. I was especially frustrated, though, um, because uh, Boo Booey had been doing that push-off move all night, and then for it to be, like, all the way at the groin of Trey Galloway to end that game, it, that was super frustrating because it was kind of an apex. But, no, last night I didn't feel that way. Uh, that, that wasn't a reason I was hot. It was more of an effort and the offensive rebounding and uh, just – Walker's just an animal, man. I mean, he almost single-handedly beat Purdue when they were up there at East yeah. Lansing earlier in the year. Like, he just, if he gets hot, you're in trouble. If you, if somebody continually complains about college basketball r- refereeing, you get yourself just too wound up. Yeah. It's not worth it because every crew calls it differently. There, There's no uniformity in college basketball refereeing. I don't think there is in any form of officiating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree, but especially college, I, it's it's night-to-night different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, And especially league-to-league. Yeah, that was our larger conversation last week was that, and this isn't the only reason, like we had Dave Revson on last week and he talked about how well, there have been a number of Big Ten teams that have made Final Four appearances, like maybe the drought is being overblown and that's fine, but they're also getting 
eight, nine, ten bids almost every year. And you can make a correlation to the way that league plays on a nightly basis. And I know it's different crews, but they let them be more physical there. And then you get into the tournament and it's like, yeah, we're going to we're going to let guards play a little bit more. We're going to be more uh, offensive minded in that regard. And it, there's been flameouts. That's not the only reason, but it's the Big Ten is just a different animal than any other conference. I don't even mean just because it's better. I mean, obviously, I think that. But it's just the physicality of it is just a different animal than anywhere else it's officiated around the country. Yeah, like we're all baseball guys in here. If you get continually mad about an ump strike zone, you're just not doing yourself any favors. You got to accept what it is and just play. You got to go on Twitter and demand that there be robot umpires. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Right, it works for me. Not in here. Uh, Depends on the crew, not right? To your point, that's the yeah. same thing with I mean, baseball. Look, there are some that are just like if you have Angel a Hernandez, you have the right sure. to be PO'd sure. if Angel sure. Hernandez is calling balls and strikes. But if for it's you. every day, you're just causing yourself gray hairs. Yeah, that like are unnecessary. Brian Hoeing, who pitches for the Marlins, he's a Batesville alum. His brother was my pledge brother. Uh, Brian got called up last year by the Marlins. First two starts in the big leagues, he has to face the Dodgers. First of all, good luck. <laughs> he faced the Do- his MLB debut was at Chavez Ravine facing the Dodgers, and then his next start was the Dodgers in Miami. Well, guess who called balls and strikes for his MLB debut? Jimmy Cook. Guess who called balls and strikes? The celeb. It was Angel, baby. You know it was. Oh yeah. Did he sign autographs between yeah. half innings? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, actually, he followed up with this. He said the fact that Northwestern alum was allowed to ref the game versus Purdue and IU is fraudulent. Is that, is that the case? Can you is say that, that again? Sorry. said so the fact that a Northwestern alum was allowed to officiate the game versus Purdue and IU is fraudulent. Is that a known fact, or is Rick just spewing nonsense? There are some people you can look that up have referees. systematic, like, just bios on every... Like, I, I'm not that guy. Like, there's a couple like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't really like you as a referee, but I don't know background of, oh, this guy... He went to Northwestern. And yeah. He's doing both those games in Northwestern. I have no idea. No, I mean, when I was running the dog pound at Butler, we would scout the refs and get the names down, but we wouldn't look up personal things about them. Oh, you were the dog pound guy? Yeah. You're front row? Front row. You didn't have to broadcast? No, because uh, men's basketball games were all Fox. We couldn't do it. Uh, so I did like everything else. So, But that allowed me to be cool. a, I got to be a college kid. Yeah, you know? I like that a lot. So, yeah, That's good. It was fun. This comes from Mitch. Actually, I uh, went to college with uh, with uh, Mitch here. Mitch McCord on Twitter says, with Luan's podcast, Taylor Luan, we were talking about earlier, he officially has been released from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, with Luan's podcast and him being great buddies with Pat McAfee, it might actually be enough to get Luan to sign here. Lots of money to be made in the podcast realm if those guys get together more. Fair point. I don't know if Taylor, who still has some playing days, is putting that top of mind. Also, with the different outlets that each of them work for in the media world, Taylor Luan being on with Barstool Sports, Pat McAfee being his own brand and realm. I, I don't know if that's conflicting. I, I'm not sure they would be able to work together very much. I also don't know how much pull Pat is actually using for the organization. I mean, he's got his suite down low. He's a big fan. But, I mean, if that could be said, the same could be said for Pat's trying to recruit Aaron Rodgers here. Right? I mean, he's got the connections. So, that's true. I, I don't know how much Pat's actually helping when it comes to getting people here still. Um, some interesting reports yesterday, fellas, about free agency quarterback you're talking about Aaron Rodgers even though he's not a free agent but you know future in doubt future up in the air is he still in his darkness thing I think he might be out of it eh, yeah 
I think he's out of it. I think he's out of it. Um, but you have him, you have Derek Carr, two guys who have obviously been in the league for a long time, two guys that are looking for Derek Carr, definitely looking for a new home. Rodgers potentially looking for a new home in 2023, um, if it's not just his home or a dark another dark house if he retires. But Derek Carr visited with the Jets over the weekend, and some reports were coming out saying that the Jets made a pitch to him, hey, you come here, you got first ballot Hall of Famer written all over you. I mean, is this just the Jets being the Jets? Or do we really think that Derek Carr going to New York could produce those kind of results? I'd feel really bad for Derek Carr, given what he has gone through in his career, if after Gruden and Henry Ruggs and the divorce with the Raiders, he has to go confront the New York media on a weekly basis. And just play for the Jets. Play for the, well, <laughs> it, but at least they have weapons now. That's yeah, that, true. that's the thing. If you look at all the options that he has available to him, and I and maybe the media chews him up. Maybe he. It, oh, he would get destroyed it, in no, New I, York. Really, I think not, he's got a good enough oh, head on his shoulders where he can handle that. I, I'm not saying the. Let me rephrase that. Not that the media would chew him up, but what does it impact him? Right. There's a difference between the media ragging on you throughout your tenure there and how you're able to let it affect you on a daily basis. But of the teams that are available to him, you'll get the weapons and the chance to have immediate success. He is older. He's not like insanely old, but he's older. The Jets are there. They have the weapons you're talking about. Whether you want to look in general at Garrett Wilson, whether you look at Brees Hall, I know he's coming off a knee injury, but they have the potential to have a relatively explosive offense next season. And the Jets, I think, are going to say just about anything to get a competent quarterback under center with these young weapons on rookie deals. Well, the New York media, they always try and pull stuff out of you. They, they want you to throw people under the bus. They want to get the soundbite more than anybody. And Derek Carr, Derek Carr is Mr. Positive, all about teammates. He'll never throw anybody under the bus. It's all about next week. So I, I just think the media in New York would clash with him because they'd want him to say something so bad and that relationship would probably get ugly. Week two, New York Daily News front page. Carr is packed. Him like in the front seat leaving <laughs> kicking him out of town already you know that'd be the case yeah. oh yeah you know, like, you know. uh, yeah watching the captain when the the uh new york daily news did Derek eater when he was coming off yep. the injury <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. And they, yep. they made yeah. him look fat yeah <laughs> that was that was that was pretty good but it's up in the air and it's interesting to think about you know we talk about car kind of alternate universe where we could have easily seen and I think even last year there was some talk in the offseason. Derek Carr to Indy? Does that make it, sense? If if Derek Carr was a free agent last year before the Colts got Matt Ryan, Derek Carr would be a Colt. I'm convinced. Yeah. It, it, everything added up too much. In terms well, of, you wouldn't have to give up any compensation. Yeah. You could just sign him. Does Derek Carr make any difference with that line last year? I don't know. But just, yeah, from from... The type of player, the type of guy that Derek Carr is shown to be, Frank Reich at the helm, at least to start last year. Chris Bauer loves himself, some good character. You know, um, it did make a lot of sense. It, yeah, it made a lot of sense. But I, I would it be different? That's the that's the ultimate hypothetical because you you, you probably could have thrown just about anybody in there. That's a you know, I'm not, if you had a Lamar Jackson, maybe he's able to escape some of what the 60 sacks were yep. last year. Yep. But you throw any passing game quarterback in there, I don't know if anybody's solving that. Yeah, and 
we talked with Mike Chappell yesterday, and he even brought up you know how there's still kind of some things he sees online about eh, trade for Aaron Rodgers. Let's go get Aaron. You know why not? He himself, Chappie said, "Nah, the time is now. The time is now to, you know, sometimes you got to go get somebody. Uh, right? Sometimes it's simple enough as it's it's just time. You know, you're at a party. There's really no reason that you have to leave, right? Maybe it's nine o'clock. Everything's going well, but sometimes you can just feel it. It's just time. It's time to get out of here. It's time for the Colts to draft the young quarterback. Are you an Irish goodbye type big, of fella? Big time, especially if you're out and about, like bars." Yeah, and even especially at a party, because think about it, you're at a house party, you say bye to one person, you got to say bye to everybody. everybody. I, I will Irish goodbye, but I don't like when my friends do it, because then I get worried, like, oh, where, where do they go? And then I realize, oh, okay, they just left. See, you what know, you got to do is you got to sneak it in. You got to you gotta, you gotta plant the seeds. You got to be, you know, maybe you're grabbing one last drink before you're about to call an Uber or, or whatever's about to go down, you're about to leave. But as you're doing that, yeah, I think this is probably my last one, man. I'm probably going to get out of here. Then that's where they're like, oh, right on, dude. Good to see you. Right on. Then you make your and escape. And then you're done. You said you're bye. You just didn't make it a, all right, everybody, I'm out of here. <laughs> Let's do the handshake line. <laughs> Let's get it going. Not doing I, I, that. I know that the time to usually leave an Indianapolis bar, especially at Tin Roof, is when the woman comes in with flowers. Like, okay, Ooh. it's you know what I'm talking about? It's been a while since I've been out that late, but I do. I you know think who I'm talking about? Though? Remember, like, yeah. there's a woman that sells flowers, and she walks into like every bar at 11:30 or midnight when you're probably a little. And you're up. calling it a night 11:30 or midnight? No, I'm just saying that's when she walks in, and I'm like, okay, I probably got another hour or so. Oh, you I was know, gonna that, say back in the day, at taps and dolls when you know, all of a sudden the lights would come on, you're like, whoa. Yeah, well, that's is, that's uh, like 3 a.m. This is yeah, you had a couple of those. Yeah. But that well, place doesn't exist anymore. That's yeah, a shame. Even though closing down, if you want to close down a place like Tin Roof, that's that's truly 3.30. Yep. Because they'll give you the little hex, extra half hour window. That's when you said 11.30. I was like, dang. Are we, is it no, but that, night? That, no, that's usually when that woman walks in with the flowers and you're like, and, but like people, guys will see that and be like, hey, you know what? I didn't, I, I haven't brought home flowers in a while. It's a good idea. And then you're just holding flowers. I've never Do done that because you're out too before. late. Yeah. Or you try to pull a slick move and you try to, you know, get a flower, slide in there. Yeah. And go, Hi, honey. Yeah. Look what I got you. All right. David Kaplan coming up top of the hour. We got a lot of talk about with him. Uh, spring training is underway. What's up with the Cubs? Are they going to be a wild card team? Hell they yeah. Have a chance there to get back in the postseason. What's his latest sources and insight telling him about? Are the Bears going to give up that number one pick? And who are they most likely to give it to? And what's it going to take? That's coming up top of the hour on The Fan. Some good tunes, Jimmy. You trying out to be to open for Shaq at the <sighs> Snake Pit in May? That's Eddie's job. Yeah. Even, yeah. How about Shaq coming to the Snake Pit? By the way, fantastic. I, I have seen Shaq DJ in person. It's electric. Oh, like, I bet he's unreal. Like, like I'm not saying like he's like like Kygo or something, but like he he gets to, he knows how to play to the crowd. He's a great time. It, it, Where did you phenomenal. see him? He was out at summer league in 19. Ah, um, at, at at I don't remember. I can't remember where it was, but it it was it was insane. I think it's great. I think it's phenomenal. I need to see. Hell, you know, do it. Do a body surf. Do a crowd surf. Shaq. Shaq. Get ready, Snake Pit. All, all Shaq's in. coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Shaq's, yeah, Shaq, Shaq's version of Steve Aoki throwing a cake at somebody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think it's great. You have you a snake pit guy? I am not. I've, I've done the snake pit once. It was after my junior year of college. And the lineup, I've, I have not done it since because the lineup was ridiculous. It was, 
Zed's Dead, Skrillex, and then Martin Garrix. Was that? It must have been 2017. I think that was that, the year I was out there with McAfee. That was the 100th running. Oh, okay. So it was yeah, the year before 16. that. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. No, so it wasn't the year that I was out there. Yeah, that is stacked. I, it get, you know, I get, uh, get a little bit of claustrophobia, a little bit of anxiety thinking about it, you know? The snake pit? I, I wouldn't do it again, yeah. but I had a great time. Plus, I just enjoy the hell out of watching the race. Oh, I mean, <laughs> well, plus, like, covering the race now. Right, yeah. I mean, it's not even an option, but still, I, I'm glad I did it. My first race was the 100th running. That's uh, that's a pretty nice luxury. There. It was pretty sick. But again, not being from here, I d- didn't really know what was going on. I, look. You knew, but you y- didn't. Y- when you grow up up there, you you know what it is, Yeah, but you don't know what it is. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I totally know what you're saying. My father-in-law, he posts this up every year now. It's great. We're right at the, right before turn one. So right where the big video board is, right before turn one, grandstands um, B, underneath the awning, very last row, so we can have our back up against the fence in the shade the whole time. Can see all the way down the front stretch, all the way around, basically into turn two. It's you perfect. guys know what you're doing. It's perfect. You guys know what you're doing. He packs the sandwiches every year. It's like a, <laughs> a little you know, cooler the action. week of, he's just like, all right, what do we want? Joey, do you want uh, the, the the turkey cheese with mustard? I'm like, you got it. Then about, you know, lap 100, 110, maybe in there. You pop that open, it gets you to the end. I can't wait. I mean, it's it's one thing that I really look forward to because, kindly enough, first of all, this station lets me work it and be around the media center and do stuff. But then also the South Bend Cubs let me take off Memorial Day weekend from doing ball games wow. to come back here Big time. And, and cover the race, which is it's a perfect marriage and i love it and my it's kind of weird my first race as a fan was the 100th running my first race as a member of the media was august of 2020 ooh yeah tough so i got like the ultimate experience yep. down to nothing right so but la- man last year was so much fun the the pageantry seeing everything back can only get better this year right Hopefully. I was camped out there last year. It was a month of all months. I was inside the museum. I was inside the track. Yeah. It was great. Well, are you a hardcore where you'll go to every practice? Yes. Love it. I'll go to every practice. I'll go to every uh, everything. Yep. It's the way eat, to do I'm, it. I'm, I'm eating it up. Can't get enough of it. Billy Mack and uh, Big Check Race fans, they go up there right on the front stretch. Just uh, past, eh, right before. Right before. Um, no, it's after the brickyard. After the yard break. Sorry. Right after them, and we go out there, and uh, and we drink beers and watch the cars go fast and have a great time in the uh, month of May sun. It's fantastic. You're going to St. Pete, right? Yep. Have you ever been to the St. Pete race? Nope, never been to St. Pete. Junique. Actually got the invite from uh, the Arrow McLaren folks. Going to be down there in their hospitality on Saturday night. Very uh, cool. After qualifying, so going to go say hey. Probably get the cold shoulder from Alex Rossi. All good. Um, but looking forward to it very much. So it'll be great. It's extremely unique. It's built clearly in in the middle of a saint pete stretch where yeah, it's a, i mean it's in the city yeah no it's it truly um i i knew a i know a girl that's a nurse in saint pete that i grew up with and her her, her apartment it's a high rise right over the main straightaway wow at saint pete but she's a nurse so she's not even there for she, well no she works night shift so she was she was trying to sleep last year during the race. I was like, "Good luck!" But she got a pair of earplugs, and she to was be good, fair, but. 
you'd rather try to sleep with Indy cars going around than NASCARs. Oh, I couldn't even imagine. No, that's that's impossible. Real quick, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Jeremy Bullard tweets at us, uh, Titans tanking for Caleb Williams next year. Mm. Maybe Tennessee seeing the writing on the wall. Houston probably going to have a new quarterback. Indy going to have a new quarterback. Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. They're saying, hey, we took Malik Wilson the third, but uh, I already see the writing on the wall there. Don't think that's going to work out. Well, if the Titans go after Caleb Williams, let's say hypothetically the Colts get Bryce Young. Let's say hypothetically the Texans get C.J. Stroud. That's a hell of a division. That's wild. Lawrence, Stroud, Young, potentially Williams in one division. Mm -hmm. That pending, hopefully, all of them stay healthy and all of them pan out. <laughs> That's a story right there, Joey Mulhair. Yeah, I mean, and he, he tweets it because not only did the Titans release Taylor Luan, now so did Robert Woods, Randy Bullock, their kicker. Um, and I guess that's probably going to mean that Ryan Tannehill probably will be coming sooner rather than later. And I believe that they can cut him. Oh, Randy Bullock's done in Randy Tennessee? Randy Bullock's done in Tennessee. Well, that's the end of an era. Yeah, so they're kind of maybe going all in on the Caleb Williams train for next year, him or Drake May. You know, that's going to be a quarterback draft class coming out next year that we've already heard about. Um, but, yeah, how quickly it changes. And as a Pittsburgh guy, uh, I'm glad that uh, the Steelers did not, in fact, go in on Malik Willis at 20 because that was the discussion last year. Is it going to be Malik Willis? Is it going to be Kenny Pickett? Is it going to be somebody else? And uh, Franco, legendary call of taking Kenny Pickett. So I am happy about that. But it will be interesting to see in the AFC South if that is the case and what they're going for. Jeffrey noted this, by the go way, ahead. that uh, – because we haven't addressed this. Obviously, the moves, it could be tanking. It could be a number of different things. They were $25 million over the cap entering today. They're now mm. four and a half under the cap uh, with all those moves. So, I mean, in general, you got to give yourself a little bit more flexibility, free agency. That, I mean, Vrabel's not the type of guy in my mind that's going to immediately allow a tank unless it's clear that's what ownership in the front office wants to do. But I mean, that is a thin receiver room for sure. I agree with you, but then... Oh, paper at- thin. Oh, yeah, yeah. They can get rid of Ryan Tannehill. And, like, you saw how they crumbled oh, yeah. on the stretch last year. I'm not disagreeing getting rid, of, getting rid of him. I'm just saying it needs to be emphasized the fact that in addition to the cuts being some familiar names that have been around there for a while, it's also a cap-saving move as well to get them with more flexibilities where they are. Yeah, like, <laughs> you mentioned we both have Italian grandparents. Yep. My grandparents are from uh, a little village that's that's east of Rome. And they're very particular about what they do. I'm connecting this back to the thinness of the Titans wide receiver room. My grandmother, bless her heart, she's, you know, four foot seven. <laughs> when she goes to the deli at a grocery store, like the the ham or the roast beef that she gets, it, you have to like see through it for, yeah. for her to be acceptable. Nice. Like and she will yell at like the the deli people. It's yeah. like, it's got thin. It's got to have the method. It's like Paulie and Goodfellas. You yeah. know, he uses the, the garlic. Uh, right. To yeah. slice the garlic. So it's, it's it, the only it dissolves way. into the sun. That's exactly. what I'm saying. It's the only way. Joey Molinero, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook coming up next. Big time interview. David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. We are going to pose a trade scenario to Cap. What's it going to take to get the number one overall pick to Indianapolis? Cap will tell us next on The Fan. You a Frank guy, Joey Molinaro? Am I a Frank guy? That has to be a facetious, right? Well, it just looks like you are. My son's name is Frank. That's true. Well, I didn't know if that that was after Blue Eyes or, or Frank. I mean, o. it's a family name, but it just so happens to really work out that it also is because of a Blue Eyes. I did, yeah, see, I didn't know if it was Blue Eyes or because of Frank O. 
uh, these all are in play here. <laughs> but uh, really, what really comes down to is that it is a family name. He's the fifth. He's the fifth of our kind. Love and it. We have we have a Joe. We have a Joseph. We have a Joey, and so he's Frank. That's awesome. Yeah. That's all. What's your okay? Tough question. Doesn't have to be one. Handful. Of your favorite Frank Sinatra songs. I'm sorry, it's difficult. I mean, no, it's not. It's just like you know, they're all they're all terrific. racing through my head. You know, luck be a lady, my way. All I mean, they just they're all they're all good. You throw on Frank, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I mean, there are so many good ones. Whether that's, um, I'm I'm just looking at my Spotify right now. I mean, oof, I've got the world on a string. Yep. Summer Wind mm-hmm. is a terrific one. That was my grandma's favorite. The uh, Last Dance. Yeah. It's the last dance. Yep. Um, underrated. You ever hear Isn't She Lovely? Of course. Underrated one. Put my drink put your dreams away. We got a couple of uh, uh you know, my wife has a record player and so we have a couple of vinyls, Sinatra vinyls. Mm. Yeah. So we throw those on for, you know, cleaning the house. I for like dinner. To, oh yeah. For you know, if 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 rice cooking up a little something and uh, you know, we got the we got the olive oil, we got the bread, we're having a little bit of wine. I'm not having that because of um Lent and I gave it up this Lenten season. I'm going no wine during Lent. Um but yeah, we'll throw that on and yeah, we're we're and we're indoctrinating our Frank to Frank very early. That's smart. Yes. Are, are you a red or white guy? Red. I will drink. Don't, won't touch white or no. I will drink white. Okay. But red is the preference. Some exists. people are really set in their ways. Yes. Like my mother-in-law, and even my wife. Wine. White. White. But that's good that you know that. Yeah. And again, they're the opposite of me. They want white. They'll have red. I want red. I'll have white. Fair enough. Joey Molinaro, Brendan King, <laughs> and Jimmy Cook with you around the horn. Coming up in the next few moments, David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 is going to join us. Cap's just getting off the air himself, but he's kind enough to take some time with us today. You know what I'm really looking forward to? Sorry, Brendan, but you know what I'm really looking forward to? It's okay, Joey. <laughs> watching this year um, sling it off the bump is Justin Steele. Jay Steele, former love, South Bend Cub. Love Justin Steele. I love um, watching him pitch. I love that southern draw that he has. Mississippi boy. Mississippi, baby. Uh, I think that he has some real star potential in that left arm. Yeah, I've known Jay Steele for a number of years, and he was, you know, you got to keep in mind, he was drafted all the way back Mm -hmm. in 2014. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. He's been in this organization for a long time. Um, he's a spectacular dude. Yep. I think he's going to pitch really well. And join us right now on the hotline here on The Fan, Brendan King, Joey Molinaro, David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Cap, question number one. I am Chris Ballard. You are Ryan Poles. I am asking for the number one overall pick from the Chicago Bears. Your asking mm-hmm. price at this moment is what, my man? Oh, boy. Well, you're at number four, so it starts with number four, probably your second-round pick, and your number one next year. You don't want any players? I don't think you guys are going to give away players that I actually want. You give me Quentin Nelson? Okay, I'm in. You giving me DeForest Buckner? I'm in. You're going to throw some 32-year-old veteran at me? No, I'm not interested. (laughs) Now, in place of that... I want really good players. 
in place of that, you, you mentioned three of those picks, and I feel like that's correct. But, you know, instead of a player, are we bumping that up to four picks, five picks, if there's no player involved? Um, I don't think they're going to – look, there's no Trevor Lawrence at the top of this draft. There is no Joe Burrow at the top of this draft. When Patrick Mahomes came out, he was the 42nd-ranked prospect from ESPN. He was not the number one guy in the draft. So – if you tell me Peyton Manning is at the top of the draft, yeah, then the price gets exorbitant. Or I'm keeping the player and trading you fields. There is no – Bryce Young comes with warts now. He's a very, very good football player. He's five foot ten, 188. That's awfully slight to be getting the crap beaten out of you 17 games a year and thinking that's your future. Where Justin Fields is six foot three, 232 pounds. Uh, I personally, if I'm the Bears, I'm all in keeping Justin Fields. I will trade you the pick if you want to go down that road. And I don't think I'm going to get the haul that everyone else thinks. I'm going to get good players back. I'm going to get the number four, as I said, your second and number one next year. So I'll have two number ones next year. And maybe I can make another deal and move back from four to eight or nine, so someone else gets a crack at a quarterback, and I can get another number one because I want to package it up to get Marvin Harrison in my uniform Mm. next year. There's a lot of folks around here, Cap, that I would love to see Marvin Harrison Jr. in a Colts uniform. He's talking about the Bears, brother. Yeah, I know. I know, but people around here want him more. I mean, uh, Cap, what would benefit the Bears more, though? Would it benefit the Bears to stockpile all those picks that would come along with trading back? Or knowing Matt Eberflus is a defensive guy, would you want to get one of the young defensive studs, Anderson, Carter, in a Bears uniform with that top pick? What what's benefits more? Uh, I think I can get one of those defensive studs at number four if I trade you number one. Because you're taking a quarterback. Houston's taking a quarterback. So I'm now guaranteed that I'm getting Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at number four. So... I got no issues with that. I'll take either one. I need a rush in. We're the worst rush team in the league in terms of defensive pressure on the quarterback, and we're the worst run-stopping team. So I'll take either one of those two. David Kaplan joins us. David, what what do you make (laughs) – have you seen the – interactions that Jim Irsay has been throwing out there, the little hints, the droppings of his (laughs) relationship with the Bears, and do you know at all if uh, they feel the same way back to him? I don't think there have been any conversations. Let's not forget, go back through and look when the deal for Carson Wentz to go up to Philly, when that deal was made, the deal to get Jared Goff to the L.A. Rams, when that deal was made. Those trades go down after the Indianapolis Combine, after the medicals are released, after you have guys on your or in your facility. You can only bring, I think it's 30 this year that you could bring to your building at all positions. So there's not a lot in terms of getting trades done now. There's, I don't see that there's been any discussions other than, hey, man, we're interested, so let us know when you make a decision on what you're going to do. And then these guys will all see each other at the Combine. So they'll get their 15-minute interview with all the players that are there. They'll get the medical reports that everybody sees. Then they hand those to their doctors, and they go, hey, I'd like you to look at this guy, Randall and I'm really interested in him playing cornerback for me. Well, we're looking at his medicals, and we don't like what we see here. So that's how this whole process is going to play out. 
Hmm. Cap, I'm flying to Naples tomorrow from O'Hare, so looking forward to listening tomorrow morning. But oh, the best. Oh, Naples man. Is awesome. Going to see the folks. Can't wait. But, uh, you know, down here in Indy, I don't listen to as much Chicago sports radio, obviously, but is the Justin Fields trade talk, is that all media stuff, or is there any truth yeah. that the Bears would let him go? I don't see a scenario where the Bears are trading him. I don't see any scenario. That would be... For me, that would be shocking, and I would think Ryan Poles has lost his mind. So I'm going to give up a guy who I've had for two years who is beloved in the building. Two days after the season ended, Iberflus gave everybody a bunch of time off, and they said they went in the weight room, and there's a guy soaked in sweat. Who is it? It's Justin Fields. Hey, man, i got to get my body stronger. So he has got a great work ethic. He's a great dude. He has come out multiple times and said, I love Chicago and I want to own that city. I want to be there my entire career. They're not trading this guy. No shot. David, what happens first? The Chicago Cubs make an appearance in the World Series again or the Chicago Mm -hmm. Bears are in the Super Bowl? Cubs in the World Series before the Bears are in the Super Bowl. 100%. Cubs have a top 10 farm system. I think they're, I'm not telling you they're a great team this year, but they're certainly going to be I think better than the Vegas win total of 77 and a half if they stay healthy. So I would be very surprised if you told me that one of those two franchises won a championship and it wasn't the Cubs first. Cap, taking a peek at the Cubbies and looking forward to hopefully having you back in South Bend at some point this coming summer to see the boys. But when you pair the farm system, I saw a video the other day of PCA taking live BP off of Marcus Stroman. I mean, that that's Mm -hmm. the future and the present right there. But when you sign a Dansby Swanson, when you sign a Cody Bellinger, and be it Cody Bellinger's probably the bridge to getting PCA in center field at Wrigley Field. Ian Haps, though, coming off a gold glove. Seiya Suzuki in year two in a Cubs uniform. How good can this team be? Is this wild card? Is this better than wild card? What do you think? Well, it's not a great division. Like, the Cardinals are the best team in the division. Milwaukee never spends any money. They've got their, you know last nickel they got at their first communion. They just don't, they, for whatever reason, they do not push their money in there. Anytime they have a team that looks like, hmm, might need to take a little extra and get it done. So I think the Cubs can compete with anyone in that division. The Reds aren't trying. The Pirates are a triple A team. Tell me the Cubs can't compete. I won't believe it unless they're not healthy. Okay, that, that was going to be my question. Is it, is it health? Is it the you know maybe lack of bats? Are you worried about lack of bats at all in that lineup, or, or no? I'm not. I think that they have gone out and addressed some of the weaknesses in that lineup. I think they're the best defensive team in the National League. So I, I think it's a good baseball team. Again, I'm not telling you they're the Dodgers, but I'm telling you they're vastly improved with a top-ten farm system. And I was texting with PCA the other day, the best. And he's the best. I the love best, this man. kid. And then I was texting with Matt Mervis. Merv! And Mervis is going to be a really good player for this team. Really good. So I'm looking forward to – he probably starts at AAA. Yeah. Now, if Trey Mancini has this great start or Eric Hosmer, then maybe he's a AAA all year. But he's got a chance to be a really, really good player for the Chicago Cubs at some point. Cap, no lie, I'm wearing a shirt – from obvious shirts, Mash Mervis right now. Uh, Merv, obviously. I have that. Yeah. Have that Merv, Merv started the year with us last year, which is wild to think about and, and how quickly he took off. But kept looking at the starting rotation, you put Jamison Tyone in there, Marcus Stroman at the top, 
Kyle Hendricks hopefully back healthy. And then Joey and I, before you came on, we're just talking about a Justin Steele. And then Hayden Wesneski has a chance to be your number five, and he's so talented at a young age. How good is the rotation? The rotation has a chance to be really good. Now, that's is Kyle Hendricks healthy? If Kyle Hendricks is pitching every fifth day, then I think it's a pretty darn good rotation with uh, Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele and Jamison Tyone and Kyle Hendricks and Hayden Wisniewski and Drew Smiley. Like, they've got some depth in their rotation. But if Kyle Hendricks isn't healthy, then you've got a big question mark. Is Hayden Wisniewski all have six starts in the big leagues ready to go every fifth day? I'm not sure of that, but we're going to find out. I think it's a real interesting season for the Cubs. A lot, not a lot of expectation, a lot of upside. That's David Kaplan with us on the fan, and and a lot has been made over the past handful of seasons, uh, David, about you know the spending from the Cubs, and and they were active in free agency, you know, brought in a lot of different faces. They got Danzy Swanson this past offseason. Um, do you think that they're going to be able to be in the talks for Shohei Otani? Is is that the next big guy that you're going to put the Cubs, you know, kind of in talks with there, or or, or no? Are they still going to kind of take the same approach? Well, they spent over $300 million this year. They signed more free agents than any other team in baseball. Yep. So they just they needed to reset, and they did just that. And then Seiya Suzuki said the other day, they asked Seiya, hey, you're playing in the World Baseball Classic. Your teammate Shohei Otani and his agent just came out and said he's going to and has earned the right to test free agency. So are you going to talk to him about coming to the Cubs? And Seiya's response was, I've invited him <laughs> to be a Cub. And so I immediately started my radio show yesterday talking about how Joe Johnson, the president and owner of Obvious Shirts, needs to have a shirt that says, I've invited him, say it. <laughs> and do you know, I got a text five minutes later, your shirts will be ready at noon. And he had them yesterday for me. <laughs> That's how Joe works. Joe's the best. Yeah, absolutely. Joe's, Joe's the greatest. Absolute best. Cap, would you say... And Jed Hoyer was pretty brutally honest about what it would take to get the Cubs back competing. Are, are they ahead of schedule? Are they right on schedule? Yeah. They're ahead. Ahead of schedule. No doubt in my mind ahead of schedule. Uh, I think the farm system came a little bit more quickly than they thought it would. And I think when they were able to get Dansby Swanson and Jamison Tyone, two guys that had a lot of suitors, I think they feel like division's not – like brutally awesome. It's not the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays and Toronto and Boston. I think they feel like they've got a chance to be solid. They, they believe internally 2024 is much more likely to be a playoff team. You mentioned Joe Johnson, uh, David, and I go to Obvious Shirts Instagram, and on President's Day the other day, they put up a Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. They put up Ernie Banks, Fergie Jenkins, mm-hmm. Ron Santo, and mm-hmm. Ryan Sandberg as the Cubs' Mount mm-hmm. Rushmore. Do you agree with that four, or is there anybody else that you put in there? Wow. Uh, I would definitely have Ernie Banks. Oh, Billy Williams has to be on there. Okay. 100%. Who's he taking That'll the place of? Ernie, Ernie, Billy because of his broadcasting and Hall of Fame playing career, Ronnie Santo is three. Uh, you, who'd they have? Uh, Rhino, Rhino. Who's the other one? Uh, Fergie and, and Ron Santo. Okay, so I did not put Fergie on there. I would probably go Rhino, Santo, Ernie, and Billy. 
I, it's, it's really hard to disagree. And I, and I, and I totally understand if this is insane, which it probably is, but is there any part to where you look at an like, argument like that? And because that the 2016 team was able to get it done, does any of those guys, does a Rizzo, because he's got the ring, make it on there or at least have an argument? No, no, not any of those guys. Add them together, they don't get on there. No, not a chance. Not one guy on that team is going to the Hall of Fame. Not one. Yeah, that's true. And I, the guys that I put on my Mount Rushmore are all Hall of Fame players. Mm. I just didn't know if the ring, you know, finally bringing it there uh, trumped anything, but I get it. That's fair. Well, then why don't you just give it to Aralis Chapman because he was amazing in the three months he pitched with the Cubs. All right. I, mean, I think it's a little <laughs> bit different than the argument I'm making. Okay, give it to Jake. Okay, give it to Jake Arrieta then. And he doesn't belong. He wasn't. No, absolutely not. Okay. Uh, hey, Cap, the Pacers just played the Bulls last Wednesday. Wanted to get your thoughts on the Bulls not doing anything at the trade deadline. Is is that a topic in the city right now, or are they kind of taking back seat? Oh, no, no, that's a topic. And sadly, we have an overmatched front office that if I bought the team, they'd be fired tonight. They, those guys are, I think, embarrassingly bad on how they, A, constructed the roster and B, have done nothing. They picked up Pat Beverly off the scrap heap. That's fine. They did nothing at the trade deadline. And I knew and said it a million times, they don't have enough shooting. I was not the only one saying this. I was not some you know, clairvoyant person. They need to add more shooting. They went into this season and added exactly zero shooters. None. Lonzo Ball, they knew before the season – we got a problem here. He's probably not going to play at the start of the season. Now he's out for the year. He's going to miss, you know, a year and a half of his NBA career. And they did not add a backup point guard. And Goran Dragic is not the answer to that question. So this is an incompetent front office. Sad to say, but that's my opinion. David Kaplan, ESPN 1000 in Chicago with us here on The Fan. Cap, looking forward to seeing you hopefully in South Bend this season. Appreciate the time very much, my man. Anytime. You're the man. Enjoy Naples. Thanks, Cap. David Kaplan with us on the fan. Would you put your World Series guys on the Mount Rushmore? No, I just... They they have the, the, the trump card in their pocket with what they were able to do. And I know that, you know, I, I, I think, I know that that question would have been answered differently if I was asking in 2017, maybe even 2018. But yeah, the because, way that things fizzled yeah. so quickly, poorly, poorly, yeah. I think that's what warranted that kind of response from Cap. Whereas, again, if it was 2017, 2018, who knows? You know, by the end of their career, maybe, yeah, because of they, what they've done already. I just, I, I think that there needs to be some sort of nod to that because that is something that, for how great that those four or five guys that we just talked about, he mentioned. They don't have that. They'll always be beloved in the city, no doubt, but... It's a weird relationship now. It is a weird relationship. But there's just something about it that, you know, Rizzo has gone to New York and has had success for you, Jimmy. You know. Hey, don't blame me. Blame blame the front office. I the way you I, looked over at I, me, I, and I blame Joey for I, this. I'm very trigger happy now I, because I, I was attacked <laughs> multiple times yesterday. It's not I, my fault. I'm glad that Riz has gone to the Bronx and has had success. He, but he's been the one. KB can't stay healthy. Yep. Javi swings at something that's 40 feet, feet in front of him. Yep. He has regressed so bad. 
Yeah. He is so bad. Talk about documentaries. It's a, that, that could be one. The what, 20, downfall what, of 2016? What, 20, post 2016? Yeah, what 2015-2016 was and now to what it is. Uh, if you're a Cubs fan, if you follow it like that. I mean, I think Cap, I think Cap has, has said essentially 2016, they're the 1985 Bears. So what 2016 Cubs are. Well, I, I think you still have the opportunity to kind of end that conversation if the if the core that follows the World Series core wins one, that conversation would go by the wayside. Why is that? Because you showed that you were correct in getting rid of Chris and Javi and Anthony. And if they don't? Uh, then Chris, Javi, and Anthony were right to leave. But keep in mind, Pete Carroll Armstrong, the guy that you got for Javi. Kevin Alcantara, who's going to be in South Bend this year the kid that you got for Anthony. The KB trade, Caleb Killian has already made his big league debut. Yep. Alexander Canario is still on his way. So all the guys that you got for the 2016 core either have already made their debut or are coming very soon. So if that new core wins one, to me, they did it correctly. And twenty the aftermath of 2016 is now looked at as a positive. It's just, hey, we love these guys. Appreciate for what they did. Yeah, thanks for what you did. Yeah. But it's for sure. It's the old classic argument, man. I knew that Cap would have some thoughts on it. So appreciate the time there. Hey, coming up next, we got some hoops talk. We got Fletcher Lawyer of the Purdue Boilermakers joining us to talk about their little bit of a brief week off here um, and the preparation, getting ready for the Hoosiers coming up on Saturday night in West Lafayette. Fletcher Lawyer joining us next. Fan Midday Show, 227 on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. Joey Molinaro, Brennan King, Jimmy Cook with you. Thanks to David Kaplan, Chris Denary joining us so far. David Kaplan brings the heat, man. It's the best. He, um, You can tell it's a Chicago media personality guy. Chicago legend. I mean, I've been watching him on either television or listening on radio since, I mean, for all my Cubs fandom days. I yep. mean, that guy's been the guy forever yeah he has and um you know he's a former scout with the pacers what he was a nba scout before going in the media i had no idea scouted for the pacers and the bulls i never ever would have thought that guessed that nba scout wow that's how he got started interesting well that backs up his uh claims about the bulls that he yeah. said about the incompetent front office at least he has uh, somewhat of an idea it's just kind of funny because the way that city works there's a very tight window <laughs> you get hired you do a couple things maybe they're positive people are like you're the you're the second coming oh sure of of the next great builder of the city and then one bad move incompetent that's how it works that is that is got a big one coming up saturday night the rematch, the second go at it between the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers. Uh, you got it done in Bloomington the first go round. Going to be a absolute raucous, rowdy environment at Mackey Arena Saturday night. It's interesting. You know, I always felt like these the second matchup, or, or yeah, the later season matchup between IU and Purdue, I always felt like recently at least it's been like a daytime tip. Mm. You, you notice that, Jimmy? You feel that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, for some reason, my Sunday. brain's thinking back to the just before the pandemic because I can't remember if it was Haas or who it was, but it was daytime assembly hall. He had a nice like little post move shimmy off the window near yep. the horn. Like, yeah, but a lot of that. That was Carson Edwards, game. left-handed yep. slam. Yep. I ain't playing. Yep. yep. 
That was a daytime, I think on a Sunday. Yep. Um, so it's cool that it's a Saturday, 7.30. It's going to be fun. Like I said, I'll be uh, out and about Sam Silver Circle if anybody wants to join me, having some fun. I-, I wish the games were a little bit more spaced out. They've played twice. They're going to play twice in a matter of 22 days. Yeah. I, I would have loved to see like a January game and then a March game. Okay. That's but fair. That's just me. That's fair. Um, we got Fletcher Lawyer getting ready to join us. The freshman guard for Purdue comes in. We talked about it earlier. Uh, he throws himself right into uh, the fire. Him and Braden Smith back there in the backcourt um, for the Purdue Boilermakers. And all of a sudden, you come into a season, start unranked, and then before you know it, they're number one in the nation. So Fletcher Lawyer joining us now. Fletcher. I appreciate the time. We appreciate you joining us. What's this uh, handful of days off been like here for you guys? A little bit of a different stretch for you, not having games? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. But, um, yeah, it's a little bit different of a week. Get to sit back and watch some college basketball and uh, just get to spend some time on your own, work out, and then be ready to go and practice. Yeah, Fletcher, how unique is that when you play in a conference like the Big Ten, a lot of times you're playing every other day, every two days, to have this much time off to recover before what's obviously going to be a physical game at Mackey on Saturday. Yeah, it's definitely different. You're used to uh, having two-day preps, watching watching film, getting their scout down, and then having to travel to the next uh, college town. So when you get this much time off, you get to really focus on your body and uh, just be ready to go for the upcoming game. That is Fletcher Lawyer from the Purdue Boilermakers joining us on the Fan Midday Show. Now, IU played last night. It was a late tip. I saw on Instagram that you were out catching some high school hoops, Fletcher, but then uh, did you and the boys get together and check out uh, the Spartans and the Hoosiers at all? Yeah, I uh, went and watched my high school play a game and then got to catch most of that game. So it was cool to cool to watch that and see what we need to focus on as uh, Michigan State beat them. So kind of just do what they did a little bit. Now, are you guys, is that like a, you know, a very serious, you guys are breaking down film there. Hey, we're watching this. This is what we've got to watch out for on Saturday. Or are you, you know, having a little pizza, kind of hanging with the boys. All right, just kind of getting a feel for it. What's the, what's the environment like in a situation like that? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Obviously, you're hanging, relaxing, but uh, when you're watching it, you're breaking it down a little bit in your head, seeing what they did differently. But uh, ultimately, it's a, it's a good time to relax and chill. Fletcher, in your first college basketball season, experiencing the Big Ten grind for the first time, is there anything you've learned about the physicality and how you need to prepare your body when you're playing so often, especially, and again, you're getting this week to rest and prepare for Indiana, but physically, how did you have to prepare yourself to play so many games in a short matter of days preparing for that? Yeah, it's obviously different than high school. High school, you just went to class every day, showed up for practice, and then went and played a game. Now now it's a business. you got to be ready to go. you got to take care of your body, whether it's getting in the ice bath or just getting a good amount of sleep. So really it's just taking care of it, working hard in the weight room in the summer, and being ready to go once you got to play two to three games a week. That's Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, Fletcher, you, you have you know heavy influence of freshmen in the backcourt, obviously. You, Braden. Yeah. Do you feel like the, the circuit that you guys played, whether it's AAU, you know, Braden was playing Indiana high school basketball, has uh, made it an easier transition for you guys to come in, freshmen, and be able to go on the road in the Big Ten and play in those tough environments? Yeah, uh, I played in the UIBL, which is the Nike circuit, and uh, with all the athleticism that they have on that and all the talent, it definitely helped with the uh, – the amount of uh, talent you're going against and being ready to go against that. But uh, the environment is something you can't really compare for, uh, prepare for. you got to just have the mental mindset to go in there and uh, 
kind of block everything out and play your own game, whether they're yelling at you or whether it's a home game that's really loud in there. What's been the toughest place you've played so far on the road in your college career? I would say Michigan State and IU were two of the tougher ones, obviously. Uh, we lost at IU, but uh, it was fun to go into Michigan State and beat them up. Fletcher Lawyers, our guest. Fletcher, actually, EYBL, my senior year at Butler, I broadcasted an EYBL tournament here in Indy. That was like when Marvin Bagley and yeah. RJ Barrett were in town. Your brother played in it, so I got to do a few of your brother's games. Uh, what's the difference getting coached in like AAU versus getting coached in college? Yeah, college, it's it's more of like, it's really a business, like I like to call it. It's, uh, it's a job you got to go in every day and prepare for. Uh, AAU, you're kind of going out, showcasing showcasing your talents, but also you're uh, looking to win. And uh, when you got college coaches there watching, you got to, you got to play and you got to play the right way for them to, for them to scout you. But um, college, it's a, it's a business every day. You're going in and competing for a job. With this little bit of a break you guys have um, without playing a game, you know, Sunday to Saturday here, what's been the message from Coach Painter? Is it, has it changed at all? Has it stayed consistent throughout the year just this week in terms of, hey, not only do we have this break where we, we're not in game action, but also you got our big rival, you know, you got the Hoosiers coming to town on Saturday night. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, It's been the same message all year. Just show up, do your job, play play hard and play smart and uh, i think we've done that and um ultimately with this with this week to rest we're really just focusing on ourselves making sure we're ready to go to close up this stretch of these last three games fletcher what's the vibe like on campus right now i'm sure in the coming days if not probably tomorrow people are going to start camping out students are going to be getting their seats and um be competing for those but have you been stopped more often than this week than (laughs) than previous about what's coming up on saturday yeah, since ever since the Big Ten play started, it's been a lot of getting noticed a lot more, uh, talking to a lot more fans, taking pictures with people. But uh, with this, you can feel the energy building up on campus. A lot of people talking about uh, how it's going to be a real fun weekend going out, and um, hopefully, just uh, we can put up a banner with the with uh, these few wins we got to do. So I just say the energy's building up coming for this game Saturday for sure. That's Fletcher Lawyer uh, with us on the fan midday show and Fletcher a lot has made um you know unfortunately you know the last few years a lot has been made the the fact that you know Purdue just hasn't been able to 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 crack into that final four to finally get there get over that hump right Mm -hmm. um now as coming in as a a freshman as a young kid uh does that creep into the the locker room at all do you guys start feeling that is it ever or are you just so young you don't even realize that Purdue hasn't been to a final four in, in 40 years or whatever I mean, yeah, you definitely realize it because you look up and see the banners that every every gym has in their arena. And when you don't see one from pretty recent, you wanna you wanna do something about it. And um, I'd say the the way the guys talk about how they felt last year after they had a had a real talented team and a real good team and could have made a Final Four, uh, you just don't want that feeling. So I think we're all focusing on doing our jobs and coming in each and every day to not let that happen, so we can play hard and uh, hopefully go out there and win. Fletcher, what have you? heard about what it's like to play in the NCAA tournament because you're getting ready to do that either from what your brother has told you and his previous experiences or the older guys on the team what do you anticipate playing in the NCAA tournament as a freshman is going to be like for yourself just just a real special event obviously it's something you grow up watching you grow up watching highlights of crazy March Madness upsets and stuff like that so I would just say it's going to be real special something you can't take for granted but also you're going in there to win and uh, when you're going in to win, and uh, so is everybody else, you got you got one mindset, and you got to do whatever you got to do. 
uh, go in there, whether you play real good or real bad, you got to be ready to go to win the next game. What's your favorite March Madness moment or upset of all time? Of all time? I mean, I, I would obviously say probably the Virginia, when Virginia lost as the one seed. But uh, mm. I think it's real cool watching all the buzzer beaters. But definitely watching Jimmer Fredette highlights. That was, yeah. Those are real cool to watch for sure. You and the boys throwing that on on YouTube? Is that a you know Friday night viewing for you, Jimmer Fredette oh, highlights? Yeah. Little, little Jimmer Fredette highlights, you can't go wrong. With Gus Johnson on the call too, no, you can't go wrong. <laughs> uh, no, the, the GOAT. Gotta, gotta love Gus Johnson. Uh, Fletcher, like I said, I'm a Butler alum, so I got to know Terry Johnson pretty well uh, during yeah. his run at Butler. He coached in a final, two Final Fours, obviously. First of all, number one, how's Coach T doing? And then secondly, how much has he helped you defensively? Yeah, so Terry's, Terry's been great. He actually works with us a lot on offense. He's out there calling plays. Um, he's calling plays, and uh, we run through him every day in practice, so. I'd say he's helped me a little bit more offensively, just reading defenses, reading uh, coverages and pick and roll and stuff like that, and uh, really just watching film with him, seeing what I can do offensively. All right, Fletcher Lawyer, our guest here. Um, Fletcher, finish this sentence for me. Uh, Purdue gets the job done, beats Indiana on Saturday, if they do blank. And obviously, score more points is the easiest one. Okay, but like, what's the key? What's what's Coach Painter <laughs> yeah. telling you? What's the what are we focusing in on? I would just say coming ready to play. They uh, they got off to a good start in that first half at Assembly Hall. Uh, we had quite a few turnovers, so I would just say we come ready to play. We throw that little first punch, uh, kind of what we we like to call it. It's, uh, we got to go out there and win each and every media timeout. So going out, throwing that first punch is what we got to do. What is? Uh... <laughs> Is it impossible to just go to the grocery store anywhere with Zach Eady? I mean, like walking around with a guy that's that good, one, but then the fact that he's 7'4", if you haven't heard, it's got to be a challenge, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, I, we talk about we get noticed quite a bit. We can't imagine imagine being seven four out there and everyone everyone knows your face. So, I mean, you go you go to Chipotle and you got you got to take thirty pictures with the guys. So, it, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty cool at the same time, but uh, it's definitely definitely an experience going somewhere with that guy. That's Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, guard for the Purdue Boilermakers will be out there on Saturday, Mackey Arena. Fletcher, really appreciate it, man. Best of luck on Saturday, and uh, hope to talk to you soon, buddy. For sure. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Fletcher. All right. There it is from the Boilermakers side heading into Saturday evening. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being 7-4. Well, just that, but then the fact that he's the best player in the country. Yeah. You pair those things together. I mean, he's already going to get noticed on campus. You know, I mean, you you went to Butler. You know, you went to IU. You know that these, uh, you know, especially the basketball team. I mean, these guys yeah. are stars. Every no they're celebs. It, it, it well, it's easy. You know, you see a guy that's seven foot tall walking towards you. You're like, oh, okay, that's that's whoever. Right. Yeah. Look, that's Zachy. But but sure, there's a lot of tall basketball players in the country. Not a lot of them are seven four, but there's a lot of tall them tall ones. But the fact that he's again that tall. And that he's probably going to win the Naismith Player of the Year. I would just like to know where Matt Painter keeps his laboratory, where he makes these. Guys. <laughs> you know, is every it, year is it somewhere in campus? Is it down the street in West Lafayette? Every I, year? I don't know. I don't know where he, how he does it. He's on an absolute heater with the big guys. It's crazy, one That's after another. Sure. Would you say so? Saturday night, if 
is this a tipping point for the player of the year conversation? I mean, is it if Edie goes out there, dominates, puts up, you know, twenty seven and twelve, Purdue wins. Does that just absolutely seal a deal for him? Or if Trace Jackson Davis goes in there, Hoosiers pull off an upset, he's another double-double machine, and it goes more TJD. Or is it just still eating no matter what? Hmm. Jimmy, what's your thoughts on this too, buddy? I, I think it's Edie. I mean, just looking at the numbers by comparison, Edie's had the stronger season. Again, this is, so you, as you know, it's an unbiased take because it's coming from yep. the IU voice in the room. Um, I mean, that being said, if... Trace Jackson Davis has the same true moment where he goes for like, I don't know, 30 and 15 at Mackey and, and IU gets a win. I mean, I think you can make an argument. Yeah. But right now, if it's if it's another, you know, Trace says whatever, I don't know, 25 and, and 10 and there's a solid night by his standards, but they lose by seven and Edie right. continues to be the double-double machine that he is. It, yeah, it's hard to make a, a really strong argument one another. They're trying to do that nationally. They showed the graphic a couple of times last night comparing Edie and, and Trace, but I just feel like if you were to pull those in the know and those that cover college basketball on a nightly basis, it, it, it's probably still firmly in Edie's hands. Yeah. If Trace goes in there and leads a dominating effort for IU, which is not... I don't want to say not likely. It's, it would, it would the be least something, likely. Yeah, it, it would be something to see if IU goes in there and they wreck them. But if Trace Jackson Davis is the reason behind that happening, I'd have a really hard time not voting for him. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, Not only is there so much on the line, Big Ten-wise, so much on the line, seeding-wise for Purdue, or you know, really IU as well for the big dance for March Madness, but then also individually you got this battle going on too, which is really cool. I can't really remember off the top of my head. I'm just trying to rack my brain of the IU-Purdue matchups over the last however many years, where one, you've had two teams that are this good at the same time. Two, you've had two players that are this good at the same time that are really kind of going both yeah. for both with each other, right? Yeah. It, it's been a while. It's exciting stuff. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I can't wait to watch it. Fletcher Lawyer, appreciate his time. Appreciate uh, Chris Foreman, Purdue, setting that up for us. Thank you, Fletcher. Uh, that'll be up on the podcast page. Fan Midday Show, don't want to miss that. We've had David Kaplan, Chris Denary. Been a full day on the Fan Midday Show. We'll come back and wrap it up after this. Wrap it up here on a Wednesday, the Fan Midday Show. Joey Molinaro, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook. Really enjoyed being in here with you boys this week. Yeah, man. thanks, brother. It was fun. Thanks for having me in. Uh, to everyone listening out there, interacting. You get to come back really, home, really which is it. cool. Back home. Yeah, Homecoming. back home again for a little bit. Had some really, really terrific conversations. Um, Chappie and, and Zach Kiefer yesterday. Daniel Jeremiah, Scott Agnes on Monday. Today, Chris Denary, David Kaplan, Fletcher Lawyer we just wrapped up with. All available the Fan Midday Show podcast and on 1075thefan.com, the Fan Midday Show uh, on the page there. It's been a blast. Hope to be back at some point. Maybe. I don't know. Well, hopefully. We'll see. I think everybody enjoyed it. YouTube chat was buzzing today with you in it. Hey, hey. I mean. Yeah, everybody said yesterday, oh, well, you too good. No, I'm not too good. <laughs> I'm hosting a freaking radio show. I mean, do it. Be in there perusing around the chat Yeah, the I mean, to be fair, though, the adoption into the YouTube chat, they, they really... They choose you, hmm. you know. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of got to get initiated. That's true. You know um, what I'm saying? I saw this was just posted about 50 minutes ago from Austin Gale. He's a he was with PFF, mm -hmm. big NFL draft. He's been guy. out with JMV before. Yep, big NFL draft guy. You know, watches a lot of film, crunches the film, the tape down in the basement. You know, 
Um, and then it was actually reamplified by Lance Zerline, another film guy. It was some C.J. Stroud ball placement film. Mm. So you want to go check that out. Austin Gale underscore. So at Austin Gale underscore G-A-L, G-A-Y-L-E uh, on Twitter. And it's just a um, about a minute and a half, two minute long video of some cutups of C.J. Stroud showing a lot of accuracy. Looks pretty good. A lot of touch in some tight places. So again, wrapping it all up, we talked about how Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock draft, number two, I think two out of five or two out of four that he does as a Colts stand put at four, taking C.J. Stroud. That's a popular pick among a lot of them. And if you want to go see for yourself, again, this is not me or Brennan or Jimmy saying, yeah, I like that C.J. Stroud guy. These are the film crunchers, the guys who make a living off of breaking down prospects and film like this, putting together a nice little highlight clip. So would you say if Jim Ursay watched this C.J. Stroud accuracy film that he would be posting a picture from the Columbus Zoo as opposed <laughs> to the Chicago Lincoln Park Zoo? I don't know. I could see, you know, I can see... A, I don't a little, even know if Columbus has a zoo. A little something coming together of, uh, you play at the horseshoe, man. We are the horseshoe. You know, I could see something like that could see that. across. Very good. That's a very good tie-over maybe that I could very see. Very nice. I was wondering, he posted, and I got sent this um, by the horse racing company, America's Best Racing, that I work with. Uh, Mr. Ursay posted yesterday that he added the 50th anniversary of the historic 31-length Belmont Stakes victory triple crown saddle of Secretariat. I saw that. He added that to the Ursay collection, and I said, maybe available for the trade-up in number one. I mean, is he adding anything from the Ursay collection? (laughs) Can Ryan Poles or Matt Eberflus say, yeah, "Yeah, maybe throw in... uh, What do you think Virginia McCaskey would like? Maybe a hint now, maybe a a, a Paul McCartney... Send her one of the guitars. I bet she shreds. Right, something like that. I got to wonder if uh, at least maybe that's brought up by Mr. Ursay. Are you a memorabilia guy? Depends on what kind. Do you collect anything? I do. What do you collect? A lot of Star Wars. Okay, you could probably guess this. But I'm a big autograph baseball guy. Okay. So what's your prize? Willie Mays. Whoa. Yeah. Well, how'd you come across that? Uh, got into some business and um, got a really good price for it. Oh, you're so you're you're bartering. You're negotiating. I, that, that that is the only one I've ever like gone after and negotiated for. It's kind of the art of it, though, right? Yeah. Like I got I got Mike Trout in person once when I was younger. Nice. Um, who do I have in person? I have a uh, Mark McGuire in person so are they like sandlot like you got them uh, up in like those little uh you know frame they're not in frames, cubes but the cute okay. they're in cute i got cal ripkin jr in person iron man nice. yeah so cool but yeah that's my thing i so, do i do star wars and i do um indycar and ims okay big yeah. big you know kind of nerd junkie for that kind of stuff now does the missus let you keep a man cave she does luckily Jimmy, does the missus ke- let you keep a man cave yes okay very good luckily we have a basement and so she was like, hey, you know, it's fully finished. So she's like, hey, make that year. I got a few different walls. I got a Cubs wall. Mm-hmm. I got an IndyCar IMS wall. I got a random wall. I got a Steelers shelf. And then I just have added a new movie room. Not room. A little bit. I got a Marlon Brando framed. I got a Henry, I got a Henry Winkler Waterboy framed from the movie. And it's signed by Henry Winkler. Very nice. I got a Caddyshack Did you Chevy meet Chase. No, unfortunately. I would love to meet Henry Winkler. Legend. So I got a few different, you know, uh, I guess separate rooms, separate walls for my separate things. So I guess it's more than just yeah, IndyCar and Star Wars. That sounds sick. But you know what? I I never realized, and this is probably not good of me, but I never realized until COVID 
that Henry Link Winkler was the Fonz. Really? It took you that long? It took me that long. No idea. What was the recognition point? I, I just watched Happy Days. And you said, wait a second. I was like, that's Henry Winkler? I know that guy. Yeah, that's Henry Winkler. I, I, I just never put two and two together that he was the Fonz. Sure, that makes sense. I always looked at him as like the old guy with white hair. Right. And in our time, he's, yeah. he's you know, uh, Mr. Coach Klein on Waterboy. Mm-hmm. He was Stanley Yelnats the third or second in holes, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, your parents are like, oh, I love Henry Winkler. He was, the, uh, he was the principal in Scream, the OG Scream. Oh, wow. Nice pick there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's yes. one of my favorites, the OG Scream. Yeah, you go on a terror. I'm not know- a scary movie guy. Okay. But Scream is a good enough movie to me that where it's not just gory and scary. Yeah, it might be. Uh, I'm a big scary movie guy, but that's later in life. Maybe it'll be a nice little Cribs rendition. Just go down to the basement and show what uh, what I got down there. You know, throw it up on the YouTube channel. My I think, YouTube you know channel, what? I so think a lot of people would eat that up. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Probably not, but it'd be but, fun. Hey, you killed it the last few days, brother. Thanks, buddy. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, again. Fan Midday Show podcast, Chris Denary, David Kaplan, Fletcher Lawyer from today. Don't want to miss out on the Daniel Jeremiah conversation as well, breaking down all things Colts draft, what he would do, what they should do. And that's really what we've been talking about the last few days, what we're going to continue to be talking about, and what JMV I'm sure we'll be talking about next on The Fan.